scroll. It is the it's it's really the season of no wall scroll. If you're if you're a regular listener, you are you're drowning in in uh, riches at this point because uh, not only uh, is longtime co-host uh, Andrew uh, piss Andrew back, uh, but also their friend and mine uh, Emily is back as well. Hello, Emily. Thank you for being my co-host once again as we talk about Fujiko Mine. I am glad to be back. We've got a great uh, session coming up for sure. These are some fantastic episodes. I've been waiting for these. Yeah. So uh, what I like, one of the things that I um, I was surprised by, so like I was saying this earlier, I um, Andrew always told me um, never like that all anime writing was really bad. Um, and I don't think I don't think I recognized how correct that was um, until <laughs> this week. Uh, I looked up something for the Rakugo episode and found someone uh, saying if a character in uh, in one of the characters in Rakugo were a character out of Madoka at this point, they would do this. And I was like, what? What the hell? Like, why, <laughs> why would you say that? Like, what, what is this? Um, and then I found one about Fujiko Mine saying that uh, it was cliche and was the line. It said because it was a it was like a prequel show, it couldn't have real moments. It could just have moments of recognition, um, and I just I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and in fact, watching these three episodes, I I can't believe it even more. Like the the first three were beautiful and like wonderful to watch, and I mean we we sort of gushed over them last time, but like these three are much more um, challenging and and like I don't know they're really going places with it. Yeah, we we got through the. Uh... I mean, I guess you could call it the setup, but um, now, <laughs> right. now that now the show is is comfortable in itself to start going uh, in its own direction. Now, now that the three rogues are are part of the party, in in um in true uh, in true Lupin fash- fashion, we have uh, we have Jigen almost right away, uh, but uh, Goemon nowhere to be found. So uh, <laughs> we'll see Goemon again, I'm sure. I'm distraught for the moment, but I'll I'll handle it. <laughs> Are you are you mostly a Goemon fan? Is that is that would you pick him out of out of the crew as as your fave? Uh yeah, I'd say so. But I mean, it's not like I dislike any of them. I just think he's sure. he's very funny and also very cute. So yeah, no, nope, all true. Um, I yeah, and also the only person in the show so far that has asked Fujiko to be his girlfriend. So brave um, soul. <laughs> Fujiko would be a really hard girlfriend to have. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna say that sounds really tough. Worth um, her weight in gold and your weight in gold and several <laughs> museums weight in gold. I I, I did like how um and we'll we'll, we'll go up and start by episode, but I liked how in the one uh she she got Lupin and Jigen in a death trap uh, to to for her own ends and I could hear like you could actually hear people tweeting uh, Fujiko Mine uh grind my body up in order to get the treasure you need <laughs> choose uh, me mommy yeah <laughs> it's just like i was like this is like <laughs> i don't think a lot of people would mind this that i know i think they'd be okay with it but yeah, uh, the, the, this set of episodes really gets uh, cartoony with it i feel like in in great ways absolutely yeah i was gonna say that like the one of the so i found i had my first like first and only uh libertarian impulse while watching a uh, a british mystery which was uh one of the people in the british mystery was arrested for uh keeping treasure they found and i immediately was like well I, 
the government shouldn't be able to tell me what I do with my treasure. <laughs> my wife, who is who is you know admittedly not a Marxist, said, well, "It's not very Marxist of you to say that. Like, should, shouldn't you want to give your treasure away? Like, isn't it?" And I was like, "No, it's true. This isn't like me, but I, something about treasure does that for me." And I think, I think it's because like of the way that shows like Lupin represent treasure, where it's like this. Um, I don't know, like it it's so swashbuckly and fun and like, you know, just like, Oh, go ahead and then try and try and take it. Like it's, you know, it's something that you, you yourself can do. It's just so neat. Um, that I feel like it's hard to even see as money or anything that's like, you know, like uh crass or anything like that. It's, it's something utterly different. Um, and, and cartoony is one way to put it where like, it just feels fun to get these treasures in, in the first two episodes at least. Yeah, it's it's um, I mean, a lot of the treasure uh, in, in these episodes anyway are also just like eh, ludicrously expensive. <laughs> like, you know, uh, oh, yeah, this this diamond necklace, which is like the net worth of like five countries or whatever. <laughs> I loved that. I loved also that somehow the diamond necklace that was worth the uh, the, <laughs> the full cost of like a small nation uh, was able to be burned on a fire. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. That's another part of the really cartoony the way things get in these ones. It is like I mean I I don't I don't know as much as you about this, but I, it seems to me that that is that is an impulse in Lupin the the kind of like cartoony quality that like it's not always it's not always like hyper serious. Um, in fact, often not hyper serious, despite the the ads that High Dive keeps giving me about Lupin's <laughs> mom, um, who I guess is back. Uh, that seems oh, wow. very serious, but um, like the 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 stuff that around like I don't know like the you get the sort of plot line of like a woman who is you know horribly scarred and and a ghost and 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 stealing the mask and you know I'm thinking to myself wow that's like I wonder I wonder if like there's something that they're going to talk about in in the way that Lupin takes this mask and 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 you know like robs this woman of her protection against and it's like no 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 you're, you're you need to you need to reassess this is a Lupin cartoon uh is Lupin show you're going to have fun with it it's going to be enjoyable it's not going to like the treasure hunting part is always good it's always every, every treasure is worth getting and not a not a complicated thing it's still very much, you know, everything we said in the first session that the woman called Fujiko Mine is, you know, it's a bit it's a bit grittier. It's a bit more art housey. But then at the same time, you know, you, you do think, you know, you do have that exact kind of line of thought you were talking about. And then the episode hits you in the face with, you know what? I mean, that's a nice thing to think about. But wouldn't you really want some like vaudeville ass slapstick to happen right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's it's the same thing as the missile uh, statue from the first episode. Like the it just like it not the first. Wait, was that the yeah, that was no, the yeah, first that was episode. the first. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, wow, they really get right into it. <laughs> they, not, they really uh, they, do. There's no breaks. <laughs> uh, you yeah, know that no, Simpsons it, gag where where they're they're pitching the show and it's like you want to you want a down to earth show about like robots and explosions <laughs> and and every day and golf and that, that's Fujiko Mina. All the kids uh, in that in that focus group did know what they wanted and they were right. We owe them a, we owe them a, an apology. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, um, so let's jump right in. So I, I, you know more about about this set of episodes uh, than I do, as always. That's that's the role of people who podcast with me is to do a better job than me. It's it seems. Um, 
But I did want to ask you two things about voice acting, and I didn't know if you knew this or not. Okay, um, hit me up. So obviously, the the we've talked about the the voice actor for Fujiko, who is also uh, the voice actor in in my favorite gotcha game, but also like an extremely extremely uh, uh, talented and and uh, and I mean she gets a ton of work. She's done a million things. Um, she's great. She's fantastic. Um, I, I think she's like perfect for the role. Uh, is it her in the theme song doing the uh, narration? Because it doesn't. I, I don't sound think it like is. It to me. Okay. I don't think it's her. They have someone else perform it. That uh, that is interesting. But interestingly, uh, in that respect, the the English dub opts to have um, uh, Fujiko's English voice actors record that opening uh, translation of that opening. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I I don't know why they don't because it it it's clearly Fujiko saying it. Like, I don't even think it's like a. That doesn't even feel like an interpretation to me. Like, yeah, totally. Like her saying, like, uh, you know, I'm you have nothing for me, little man. Just like, just like I have nothing in me. It's like, well, that's that's Fujiko saying that. It's not exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess they just wanted, um, I don't know, just a, a more husky kind of weary take on it. Maybe. I don't and know. listen, I, I can't, I can't say that that's a bad thing. Um, oh, it's certainly not. It's, it's a great, it's a take. great vibe. Oh yeah, it rules. I, I watch it. Unlike most uh, intros, I watch it every single time. Um, it, it's a good tone setter, even if the uh, the episode's about you know complete cartoon slapstick <laughs> and diamonds worth the fortune of a small nation. You gotta, you gotta, even even if it is complete slapstick, you have to keep in the back of your mind that you're in a sexy prison from which there is no escape. Um, for, for, for every uh, for every pie in the face, there is also in the back of your mind that little nipple tweak in the OP. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get we get we get the payoff for the Fujiko Fujiko kiss uh, in our true. sixth episode. So you know, finally, um, the, the audience was asking, "When will this happen?" <laughs> um, the other question I had is. Was it, did they continue to use, so this is, actually, you know what, I'll ask this question when we get to episode six, because um, it's not going to make sense until we talk about that. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. Let's start with this, this first episode. All right. Episode four, Visi de Art, Visi de Amor, which is to live for art and to live for love. Oh, well, it really gives away kind of the twist ending in the, uh, in the title, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, this one was written by Mario Kata, who again is the uh, is like the head writer for the series. You can definitely tell a lot of her flavor in this. Um, there, there, there's a scene we'll get to eventually of of, uh, of a girl eating a butterfly hole, and and that's a thing that she likes to include in her works for some reason. Oh, did she write? Did she write the sixth episode too? Because there's a lot of uh, butterflies dying in that episode. Yes, yes. She okay, did. cool, excellent, wonderful. <laughs> So I like this one because um, it, it, it gets straight to the point. It, it starts with just on-screen fucking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's quick. Um, I, I liked that, and I liked that it was, uh, it was extremely um, expressionistic fucking. Where like there's like yeah, even like a the, big old uh, gush in there like, yeah. like oh wow like, okay we're going this yeah route. the foley for that is like seriously just someone dropping water into a different pan or something <laughs> like it's not it's it's over the top it's great what's great is that they let everyone have a good time uh, <laughs> they they've got the uh, the little like uh, uh, male and female symbols just symbolically fucking which is taken straight from the uh, from the original Lupin manga that's a visual guy oh is that right like to use yeah oh I didn't know that that's really cool 
Yeah, one of the things Yamamoto wanted to do was to to bring Lupin kind of kind of back to being a little sleazy and R-rated, kind of like the manga. Because I mean, don't get me wrong, like Lupin is still you know an adult anime and and stuff, but it, it has been considerably softened compared to the manga, and especially as the mm-hmm. years go by. So sure, yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. neat that they that they you know are open to it going back to being more sleazy and weird. Yeah, I think like the. Um... I think the I don't know like I'm trying to think about I'm trying to think about like why I don't I mean and you know I haven't watched any of the new the new Lupin season of uh, seasons the Lupin uh seasons is right I wasn't going to say that um but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't watched any of the new stuff but the the one is like I mean the ad I keep getting right it's like I, I don't know season something of Lupin and it is it it feels like prestige TV the way they are advertising it, uh, but I I don't know if that's true. This this Kinda. feels like this feels adult in a different way. Like it's it's adult in the kind of like we're going to the movies and we can be a little body kind of way. Yeah, definitely. No, you're totally right. Uh, you're probably okay. getting ads for um for part six if if they're talking about Lupin's mom or whatever. yeah. I keep and... I keep hearing that uh, it's it's Lupin's mom. Oh, um, what a boring boring storyline oh no <laughs> i don't like it at all no that whole season was kind of a stinker for me but uh oh. yeah no it's it's definitely um adult in the adult way and not adult in the we're going to do something adult kind of way they're, they're not marketing yeah. it towards you they're, well, they're it, like we're all adults in the room here Let, let's do something a little you know yeah no agreed and like there is there's this quality of um, prestige TV. I think that you know, an- anime goes this way as well. Like I've I've seen people draw up lists of like you know the 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 I love Breaking Bad like starter pack for anime or whatever. But like, <laughs> and I I think it's unfair because they keep putting Tatami Galaxy in there and Tatami Galaxy is good. <laughs> but um, you know, like it it is like there is the way where like um, prestige TV is is just as sexless as as like um, any sort of. Uh, I don't know, like pristine or like uh, puritanical television and that like it just kind of removes sex from the equation. I mean, you have the two extremes, right? You either have, you know, I mean, not 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 to take shots at an easy fucking target, but, you know, you have the Marvel movies, which are pretty sterile, actually. <laughs> those are those are quite sterile. Yes. And, and or you have you know the Game of Thrones where it's like all right uh, that that that's enough of that dude did, was that supremely necessary to have that much? <laughs> it is funny because like yeah I start I start asking that too where like it, it, Game of Thrones is the one I think of where it's like okay like you're just you're showing boobs because you thought that like the scene was missing one <laughs> um, and Fujiko really really hits the hits the medium mark where it's like there's a lot of nudity but I never feel like it's excessive. Yeah, and and that's the thing too is that um, I mean I would say bar none it is the most like you, you get the most full naked with nipple boobs and 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 full nudity and like I mean like leering you know sleazy shots. Oh yeah, with the wine pouring. There's a scene where uh, someone where Oscar pours wine all over Fujiko's body from top to bottom. Um, God, oh, like I, can't, I can't wait to talk line. about that one. Oh my that one's God, gonna be so good. It's, but it's yeah, extremely, yeah, it's um, it's it's it, it it works a lot better for Fujiko Mine because like you know it it is that level of sleaze, it is that level of grossness, it is 
you know, a lot of the times the tits are there, they're drawn absolutely explosion huge. Loving, lovingly drawn tits, yes. But, you know, knowing that it is uh, directed by and written by, you know, women uh, primarily, I should say, on the on the written by part, but... um. You know, knowing that that is a part of the equation and and still working around the fact that Fujiko is, you know, a a, a sexy, you know, character who is designed to be, you know, the sexy girl character from a sleazy, horny 60s guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're working in that in that, you know, frame of mind and, and still working with it. And I don't know, there's just something about it that's really fascinating to 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 see how that is handled. Well, I think part of it for me is that, like, a lot of the sexiness of the character is about, like, I don't know, like, is about how she manages the sexiness to, like, get through her everyday life. And it's not, like, it's not a, you know, it's not a trauma dump. It's not like, okay, every episode we're going to learn more about Fujiko's terrible life. Um, It's just, like, she kind of just drops things, like, well, this is just, like, you know, the, the, the goods that she reads in episode six is like, uh, you know, women never show themselves in their in their natural in their natural frame or like because, you know, they're not as vain as men um, or like, you know, the 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 way that we get those flashbacks of, of her childhood or of like, you know, the way Zenigata just like calls her garbage and stuff like that. Like you get the moments in there, but it's also just kind of like, yeah, like so she's going to. She's going to just use this to to be a better thief. Like that's that's her whole deal. She just wants she wants this beautiful stuff because I think this is this is the, the fifth. Uh, yeah, the fifth episode. She says, you know, I steal things to ornament myself, which is such a great, <laughs> great line. There's this great bit uh, in this episode, actually, where, where Lupin and her um, uh, meet again. And, and he the first thing he does, uh, one of the first things anyway, is just go straight to grabbing her boobs. Just like, ah, I miss these. <laughs> and th- she has this supremely mildly annoyed look. It's just like it's, it's utter boredom on her face. It's just like, OK, like, let's let's stop. She she does a little hmph noise, but I mean, she even half asses that she cares so little. It's great. Yeah. And what I, what I really like about it too, is like, it is, it is, there's such an easy layup for like, for like, Oh, like we have, we have an anime shorthand for this. She'll, she'll get like, she'll have like a huge blush in her face. And that's that. And it's just like, no, we're not doing that. Like we're going to do the thing that, that Fujiko doesn't care. Like Fujiko does not like this or dislike this it is just like expected that it will happen um yeah it just it like it is a it's an extreme i because i like i noted that too it's an extremely kind of like wonderful moment because it's just it it uh it encompasses both of their characters so well it's great but uh to get back to the episode we have to um, yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, so so fucking is happening and it's fujiko <laughs> and zenigata of all people and Not, uh yeah is any gotta i'm gonna i'm gonna uh betray the 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 mission statement of getting back to the, the episode um is any gotta like classically like at all a sexual character is that something that ever happens with him in in uh lupon like in the lupon i've seen the answer is no but you've seen much more so at least uh, as far as the anime goes i would aggressively say no okay <laughs> uh I, I in the in the manga, I mean, maybe I don't know. I I really haven't read all that much of it. Okay. But, um, 
one of the things in in the woman called Fujiko Mine that is just absolutely uh I don't know, I, I, a culture shock, I guess, if if you've been <laughs> watching so much Lupin is that in in this one Zenigata is is a dirty cop who likes to fuck. He really is. Like he 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 loves to fuck. He says things like blood will out, which is not usually the way he hates Lupin. It's a uh, <laughs> It's surprising. I, I got to say, like, I I did not expect him having sex with anyone. Um, yeah, and, right. Like, even though I think, like, you know, most people, most people just, you know, do the shorthand of like, oh, he loves Lupin because he hates him so much. Um, even then, it's not like I don't think it's a sexual thing. <laughs> I think like I think he just hates Lupin <laughs> and maybe loves him, too, or has like a, a like a love hate relationship in a sort of like even even pattern there. But uh yeah, in this case, it's just like he just loves having sex um, and it's hates weird. hates women. Um, yeah, loves having yeah sex. He's, he's a misogynist in this one. It's pretty good. <laughs> There's more of them. Yeah, we, we need a few more. Because <laughs> because normally Zeni, like there are two modes of Zenigata. There is um, there is you know the the bumbling but uh, occasionally just like incredibly skilled detective. Right. And then there is just um, absolute idiot grandpa. <laughs> and usually he becomes an idiot grandpa when Lupin is in the equation. Like if he, yeah. it's like, it's like, um, I, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a, a little like uh, lore to, to action for Zenigata is like, okay, Lupin's here. I, I I'm gonna like, I have to lose my, my shit. I just have to, I have to go nuts now. Either Zenigata is like four steps ahead of Lupin and incredibly on top of his game or Zenigata is like taking off his hat, blushing and going, may I have this dance, ma'am? <laughs> to have him suddenly just be like, yeah, I, I wish you could croon like that opera singer. That'd be something. <laughs> it's, it's just really so out of this world. Unbelievably gross individual. Uh, and I, I, you know what? Good for him. Thank God he finally gets one. Um, God, what a, what a gross guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, so, so yeah, he, she's having sex with Zenigata, and Zenigata says something like, you know, like, um, well, I'm still going to, like, here's your, here's your condition for release. And, and she says something like, you know, we just had a lot of fun. And he goes, well, you know what? Thing is, like, you're, you're trash to me, and I hate you. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, oh, no. So he mentions... Um you know, uh, like, like, like I said, he, he says something like, you know, uh, maybe if you could croon like this opera singer, uh, then we, then we'd be singing a different tune. And he tells her about, um, the, the opera singer in question, Ian Meyer, who, uh, who is a very gifted, uh, opera singer whose face was burned beyond recognition in some sort of tragic accident. Yeah. Yeah. She wears an extremely elaborate mask. Uh, like we said earlier, it's, it's the one that's worth like, you know, the, the, the wealth of, of like a nation or two. It's so it's, funny. Like to, to hear someone say without any, without any, without any uh, irony, it's worth the cost of a small nation's GDP. It's like, oh, that's funny to hear. Like you're, you're being serious right now. That's cool. <laughs> It's also, I mean, like, I, I don't know if this is, like, really intentional or not, but that's also, like, you know, if someone were to make a, a Lupin the Third bingo, like, they would be able to fill a square off of that. 
<laughs> that, 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 that takes you home a little bit as a Lupin fan. You're like, ah, this, this is nostalgic. I love this. Yeah, I know. It is like it is one of those great things. It happens in Cagliostro, too, where like uh, the the thing that is being stolen is just like, oh, it is so much money. It's like it's like it's how this place like exists. Like if, without without this. This whole island wouldn't be would have no money. The, like, I, the, the I shadow that. money that ruled the world. That right, exactly. The, it ca- it caused like there there <clears throat> there are shots of uh of Napoleon and shit, and then they talk about how it how it caused the 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 Wall Street crash and everything. I love it. And like everyone's like, it seems a little anti-Semitic. It's like, yeah, well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so she's got this incredibly expensive mask and um uh, it, it, it was a, a gift as like a, a courtship or something. They don't go into too much detail on that, but yeah, she's got this extremely expensive mask for just a regular ass opera singer. She, she, she's not like royal or anything. It's a wild thing too to see like, okay, we're going to do Tosca and in Tosca, I'm going to wear a extremely gaudy mask. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that's like, I mean, the way the way that like people learning how to do opera in in this episode is really cool. Like Fujiko joins up uh, for this for this scheme and immediately is able to like fill in for to- for the lead in Tusk. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, you don't have to do a lot. In yeah. that's great. <laughs> Come on, file ever, into a folder. <laughs> everyone knows this one. It'll be fine. <laughs> So this this extremely expensive mask has, uh, of course, gotten the attention of one notorious thief, Lupin the Third, who what? sends his advance warning to steal it. Have we met this character before? <clears throat> I think we might have. He, he <laughs> might he might have written on Fujiko's inner thigh at some point that he will make her his. <laughs> God. So person. In order to uh, to to get out of whatever caused her to get trapped by Zenigata to to earn her freedom, she must assist in in Zenigata's operation to try and ensnare Lupin. Right, and it doesn't strike me that this is something that that uh, she's particularly upset about. Like, I don't think it, it, this is one of those. Okay, I'll help you. Um, it's pretty cool to be able to help you thing. Like it's, it's, I'm sure she wouldn't like to be helping Zendigata, but she sure loves trying to capture Lupin. <laughs> yeah. There, there's not, there's no honor among thieves for Fujiko Mine. No, for, for no one so far. I mean, in, yeah, in the honestly, next episode, yeah, for yeah. no one, we'll get more into that, but, um, yeah, no, she, she's not, she's pretty nonplussed about the whole having to cooperate for her freedom thing. It, it just seems like something she's like, yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I got to do something. I'm in a corner right? here. I'm kind of bored. <laughs> So uh, Oscar uh, Zenigata's subordinate, he he's not exactly uh, happy about the whole thing. He, he just says, doesn't like Fujiko much at all because he's also watching says, them have sex. And yeah, and he says, "Where did when did this station become a, a house of pigs?" <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, o- Oscar. Um, you know, th- this episode starts to really uh, you, you get to learn literally anything about him because he only had like one scene before. But um, you learn very quickly that Oscar is is a is an intense man because when when the sex scene is happening, um, two other guards on duty are just watching them go at it and like, like through, through through a keyhole. Gotta say, not not something I would do to watch my boss have sex, but <laughs> you know, yeah, go you off. know, I I I question the decision, but I mean, she is an extraordinarily fine woman. So true, yeah, you could ignore that it's any god, I suppose, yeah. 
And so, so the two guys are, are trying to watch, and um, the one who's just watching the whole thing and relaying it over to his buddy, Oscar just walks up to him and just starts choking him, basically, <laughs> just grabs, like, like Darth Vader style in The New yeah. Hope, where he's it just holding him by the neck, and he's just like, do your work or I'll fucking kill you. Which is, like, a crazy thing to say <laughs> in any yeah. situation, but especially <laughs> in, like... Kind of a do- like a dopey police station. Like Oscar is is from another piece of media, just like <laughs> yeah. dropped into Lupin. <laughs> uh, pretty, I mean, deliberately, but also like you know, <laughs> super deliberately. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's 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 well done. It's not like it's not like oh, who's this guy? Like this guy's out of t- this, like this guy's tone is terrible. It's like oh yeah, we we understand that that Oscar is is not, does not belong here. Um, <laughs> Like Lupin, uh, you know, going on for so many years, having so many of the like, you know, TV specials and things there, there always seems to be a push to have a new like damsel in distress kind of girl for to mm-hmm. to trigger the adventure or whatever. Sure. And, um, you know, some of them work better than others. Some of them are really out of place once you start getting to like supreme decade shifts where it's, you know, these characters from the 60s and then there's an extremely 90s anime girl in the mix. <laughs> but I feel like for Oscar, um, some, something about just the, the contrast in his, in his behavior and his tone in his design, something about the intense contrast to that really meshes with everything. And I love in a way. it. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love the way that Oscar works in this, in this, uh, in this set of like, um, I don't know, in these set of episodes, like, I, I think, you know, one of the things is if you were ever worried about, uh, you know, Jigen being the biggest woman hater in the show. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, Oscar. Oscar makes it happen for for everyone who who just loves to watch people hate women. Uh, Oscar's Oscar's there for you. So after after the plan's been set, Oscar, you know, protests like, do we really need Fujiko? Do, do we need her for this? Can't can't we just keep her where she is? Do we have to let her go? She sucks so bad. Why do you have to pay attention to her? And then Zenigata is like, well, you know, use a thief to catch a thief, whatever. They'll probably just screw each other up and, and we can catch them both. I mean, remember what happened in the first episode? Same thing. <laughs> Which, again, remarkably competent for Zenigata, but... <laughs> You know, he says it in great. such a nonchalant way too. He's just like, whatever about the whole deal. He says it as if he is someone who just like watches a lot of Lupin. Like I think <laughs> I think I know how this one's gonna go. I don't <laughs> think I don't think either of them is gonna get the treasure. The master of reruns, Zenigata. <laughs> so uh, after that whole bit is established, we we get to Fujiko being introduced to like the half palace, half opera house. This unbelievable <laughs> just like such a cool like such a cool flex to be like okay this place is uh is, is so complicated it needs a tour and also it has like mystery places and stuff like, it very, has like aqueducts cool. and a bee farm <laughs> Rules. it is like it is again like not to not to be the you know getting real boss baby vibes from from this guy but uh you know it is like it's very uh it's very um, Cagliostro in that way where it's just like all of a sudden you're just like, oh, hey, like um, it, this has everything. It has like a place where there's submarines and this place where there's like, <laughs> you know, you could you could have a water exit. You could have an air exit. There are bees. It's it's so great. Like, I, I absolutely love it. 
like when they come across the aqueduct, her tour guide is like, oh, yeah, no, we call this uh, the River Oblivion, you know, from Greek mythology, <laughs> that place where you can wash away your past and forget everything. You know the one. <laughs> she just sort of nods and then they move on. And I, I, I like that she just ends up using it as a way to uh, as a way to, like, have a brief uh, flashback where it's like, oh, yeah, no, uh. I wish I could forget certain things, but we, we won't go into those right now. <laughs> so when she's getting, uh, you know, the tour, um, she notices a sign that just says, like, don't get distracted by shadows. And so Great sign. Like, what, what the hell is that about? So uh, apparently there, there is some sort of uh, Phantom of the Opera situation going on here. Uh, and it's really great because they never say Phantom of the Opera because, you know, it's it's like saying zombie in a zombie yeah. movie. So they're it, just like the ghost of the opera house. <laughs> I like I really like that that it is not just like it's not just like, oh, there's a ghost here. It's no phantom. It's it's there's a ghost here who wears like a half mask. Just but it, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it is what it is. <laughs> they're, 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 they're again really playing up the uh the, the cartoony shit in yep. this one to yeah. uh to a, uh, a very enjoyable degree so the this old uh this old guy like warrants are like oh no it's not just a superstition don't listen to the tour guide it's it's real <laughs> the, the, this place has uh has has you know uh, earned the wrath of the ghost of the opera house <laughs> <laughs> and everyone everyone is saying this guy seems to know a lot about this ghost uh <laughs> probably nothing and they're just like oh he's he's that that's dorenzo he's he's like a carpenter stagehand guy don't don't listen to him he's he's just stupid and dumb and old <laughs> so they just move right past that and just pretty much almost smash cut to fujiko performing as a uh, a, a member of of the ensemble in tosca just a, has a minor role yeah i i liked that she got the minor role and i liked how immediately the the show was like listen um even though she has a minor role here don't expect that we're going to lean too hard into this opera thing uh because look it's a horse and it's going kind of crazy it lifts fujiko up and is clearly lupon <laughs> you, you, you get to hear him making uh horse noises like absolutely like no horse lupon. i've ever heard but but <laughs> somehow very believable yeah, actually, since we were talking about Lupin, uh, now's my chance to talk about his voice actor, because I think he's an interesting kind of guy. Excellent. So, um, Lupin, uh, he, he went through two different voice actors for the pilot uh, film, neither of them stuck, but the, the iconic Lupin voice actor for many, many years was Yasuo Yamada, who was... Um, he played Lupin in almost everything from from 1970 to I think 1994, 1995, okay. uh, which is when he passed away. Mm. And um, he uh, ended up handpicking his replacement. Um, wow! Who is a comedian and impressionist named Kanichi Kurita, who has voiced Lupin ever since. And um, uh, he. If we're being real, I don't think he does an exactly very good uh, impression of Yasuo Yamada. Oh my god, this, this is brutal. Um, especially in the early stuff where he's trying aggressively hard to kind of be Yasuo Yamada, he kind of sucks at it. But <laughs> he does have the same kind of like timbre to his voice, I guess, like the same range. Like, 
Um, and I do like him. He definitely comes into his own. And uh, I mean, he plays the character fine. He fits like a glove. I just don't think his impression of Yasuo Yamada is very good. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things where, like, um, I'm trying to think of it. Well, I mean, the best example is sort of like The Simpsons, where, like, when they get new characters uh, or when they get new voice actors for old characters, most of the time people are like, yeah, like, uh, we're just going to we're going to do like uh, you have to sound exactly like Dr. Hibbert um, as close as possible. And so it's like, that's not really how Dr. Hibbert sounds. This is like a bad impression. Whereas, like, if someone were to be like, well, I'm just going to do my version of it, it would be a lot better. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And uh, th- that's definitely how, how it felt, the uh, the changeover. And w- once once he decided to kind of, like, stop aggressively trying to sound like Yasuo Yamada, he did great. Yeah, yeah. No, and, I think um, I think he's excellent in this. I, I don't know if this is pre or post that, but I, I, I enjoyed listening to him. I never oh, yeah, know no, what like, Lupin's supposed to sound like because I've watched too many dubs as well, so I have too many voices. Oh, he's got so head. many voice actors. I know. Dubs. I mean, uh, and most of them pretty good, too. I'll give him that. Um so Kanichi Kurita, he's voiced Lupin now since I believe '95, and wow. um, at this point he's been playing Lupin longer than the original voice actor. So good for him. I mean, he got a role of a lifetime. Ooh, okay, it, yeah, it's that's also amazing. the the only role he does uh, in anime. Like he's he's <laughs> not he's not like an anime voice actor. Like this is otherwise I think he's just like a a comedian and like I guess maybe like a TV personality kind of guy. Mm. I don't know how much of that he does these days. I mean, look, it's it it has to be a fairly profitable one, right? Like, I mean, as 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 like anime roles go, I would assume that it's like pretty pretty up there in terms of like you know you, it's consistent and you get a lot of money for it. I would assume, you know, relatively yeah, no, speaking. I mean, it's a job of a lifetime. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, we we have Yas, we have a uh, uh, Kanichi Kurita doing shitty cartoon horse noises as he uh whisks fujiko away in his horse it. costume to the backstage i love how like the the animation makes it completely like obvious that it's lupon doing <laughs> like <there's... laughs> yeah. the, the, the body language inside the horse it can be no other man it's like oh uh, looks like lupon's at it again <laughs> like you could so watch great. this on mute and you would still be like oh lupon's in the horse <laughs> Somehow they were able to do that. It's so great. Uh, and and what I love too is, I mean, like I I don't know how the inner workings of the horse costume work, but I mean, normally you have the two man horse costume, right? <laughs> you figure you figure Lupin would be the ass, but no, he's the whole horse. It's an amazing costume. I mean, the, this whole opera is like is done so well um, to the point that you stop asking questions about how the opera's done, which is a good trick. <laughs> like it, it is, it is the, it's the opposite of, um, of the mystery science theater thing of like, okay, just, you know, stop asking questions. It's a fun show. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah, no, this is the best opera ever. Like they can, there's something going wrong. They just ad libbed and the audience barely noticed, like did, did an actor get taken off stage by a horse? They'll, they'll write that in. Like it, it is, it is kind of incredible. Like the costuming, everything just works so well. The, the production values are insane. They're and honestly, roof. I would expect nothing less of an opera house. That's also, I guess a palace and has aqueducts <laughs> and like a, a bee farm. <laughs> defunct aqueducts like 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 again there is there is something about there's something about lupon particularly that imagines europe in this really fun way where like everything is so old that it has like secret ancient aqueducts yeah again like you're saying very uh calistro in yeah, that way absolutely 
so he whisks Fujiko away, and and this is where he he does the boob touch, and she makes the very mildly annoyed face that I love so much. It's wonderful. <laughs> I I feel like it is a very it's a very true face of like like a person who not just a woman like any person who's in like in a sexual situation where they're just kind of like not offended by this but I'm just not interested in it either like okay fine like let's just, just move on grab grab uh, the boob if you gotta just come on hurry yeah, up yeah exactly, exactly. Get, get to the point man <laughs> it's one of one of the worst faces a person can see when they are the one grabbing the boob but lupon lupon is just like lupon presses ahead because lupon is lupon so we get a little bit more of the uh of the the phantom of the opera stuff going on because as this is happening um i is this the part where they 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 have the stage light fall near right her? yeah yeah and and it almost hits her right yeah yeah and uh you know everyone's you know freaking out uh but again uh incredibly talented uh opera production where they 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 move on and they ad-lib the whole thing like oh you know even the devil himself is is going to curse me and is after my my very soul and and she goes straight to the the opera song. Very, very good. It is really great. Yeah. And I, I think like the, you know, the plot in this one is very sketchy and like almost a, uh, almost like a, uh, almost like a play, honestly, like, like, uh, like a mystery play or something where it's like, yeah, you know, uh, Fujiko's here and, and we have to get her into a situation where she's going to be in trouble. What are we going to do? Oh, she has to replace her on stage because the, the, the singer is too startled by the, by the sight of the phantom and the stage light and has to rest for at least one song. <laughs> and this is, uh, also Zenigata's idea, by the way. <laughs> Zenigata has so many go good immediately ideas. Immediately more, more danger, please. <laughs> He's like, oh, I think I know someone who looks, and she says, he keeps grabbing her ass and he keep, she keeps going like, why do you keep grabbing? Why do you keep touching the worthless woman that you that you like so hate? And he goes, I'm just trying to encourage you. <laughs> yeah, uh, she, it's it's she says something like, um, is there any reason you keep groping the ride you said was trash? Yes, something yes. Like that. The ride you said was cheap. I think she says, God, it's really good. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's no. so weird to see Sonigata just grab an ass. He's just so not that character that, to yeah, me. Yeah, it, it it was weird. I was like, I was like, maybe I just haven't watched enough Lupin. Maybe this is like something that's part. Okay, I'm glad I'm not crazy. Like <laughs> I was like, this doesn't feel this feels to feel true to him um, in in a, in a way. Um, but that's okay. Much like Fujiko, they are they are putting him in a role, I suppose. I think, like again, like it's it's less obvious with Zenigata because Zenigata plays like a particular. He he has like a he, he kind of operates as a blunt tool in 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 Lupin a lot of times where he like yeah you know he's the he's the, the investigator you have to have, have have an investigator and he has to be interesting and but like Fujiko as we said in the first episode has like it's hard to find a place for her like her her role always seems to shift. Like she's the femme fatale, but then she's the love interest this, that, and the other thing. And like, I think, I think the, the fact that they're doing this with Zenigata two kind of isn't as noticeable because the choice to make Fujiko consistent is so much more like, I don't know. It, it feels like so much more of a departure. Yeah. It, it, it the Fujiko stuff is all like more eye catching in a mm-hmm. way than the, than the Zenigata stuff. So oh, I yeah. feel quite as, it doesn't feel quite as out of place as we're making it, but it's still kind of a whoa, that's different kind of a moment. Yeah, I think like if you if you 
of like your lasting impression of Zenigata is him eating ramen noodles in the rain. If you've just like watched <laughs> Cagliostro, which I think a lot of people, that's like a lot of people's Lupin experience. Um, I think, I think if that's your impression of him, this Zenigata will not feel like the Zenigata, you know, this will not feel like <laughs> home to you. <laughs> this is, this is R rated Zenigata. <laughs> this, is, this is, this is gritty Zenigata. This ain't, this ain't your granddad. <laughs> so Fujiko, sing, Fujiko is very good at singing on stage. Um, <laughs> she doesn't sing that much, but she sounds like she has a great voice and she's a wonderful <laughs> actor. Um, but her, her role is cut short. Yeah. Um, like while she's singing, she sort of puts together, like she, she kind of like replays the, uh, the danger moment in her mind and like realizes like, no wait she's like looking at the stage and everything it looks like she was kind of led here was she even in any danger at all this ion right so um you know that happens and um you know uh all of a sudden lupon releases the bees <laughs> well no it's 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 actually isn't it isn't it even before doesn't she get like um doesn't the stage start taking her down before that Oh, or, maybe. I forget, I forget. where that happens then. Yeah, me I'm too. so distracted by the bees. Uh, so she, she, yeah, uh, the Zenigata's plan, yeah, it is, because Zenigata's plan is that he wants to have her go down this elevator and then make a quick change, and so, like, they'll they'll find a way to to, to get the... That's right. You know, there, right. There's, it's like a whole plan to catch Lupin in the, in the act of stealing the, the thing. Um, and he's like, in 20 minutes, it'll happen. And then it happens within seconds after, <laughs> right after she figures it out. Um, and then as she's going down, she finds herself in a cage, basically. Um, and that's when Lupin releases uh, the bees. So so the, uh, the, the bee farm that they showed earlier has a payoff. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> so what an you thought the aqueduct element. would have the payoff, but you were wrong. <laughs> So uh the the bees are just like they they come out from uh from out of nowhere basically and just like swarm the stage and um the, the Fujiko's replacement basically uh which was Ian getting back to the real Ian um mm-hmm. uh it, they swarm right to her and and she she panics and uh the phantom of the opera guy he was about to do something before Lupin released the bees and uh the, the Ian's freaking out and, and the phantom goes like, no, don't, don't remove the mask. And she immediately removes the mask because I mean, the bees are stinging her everywhere. Listen, she I mean, I that. wouldn't, I would have done it too. So the mask is dropped and it turns out that, uh, Ian isn't actually Ian at all. Yeah. She's uh, just some lady. Uh, she is Nora, a prop mistress who, who used to work there five years ago. I mainly and, meant that um, she's some lady because of the audience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Nora for saying that she's just some lady. <laughs> yes. No, totally. To, to the audience, she is just, and she, and, and they make her look really plain too. Yeah, they, they give her like, they give her freckles and she looks, she looks like Sarah plain and tall. It's very it's funny. Really, I, I, I like it so much because cause she's, you know, she's got the, the, the regal, you know, opera outfit hair and, and the, the big costume. And you're the, told how beautiful and like striking she was before. And you're like, Oh, what will she look like when the, when the mask drops? And it's like, Oh, the she mask looks that's worth the GDP of a small <laughs> nation covering this, this scarred face. Oh, and God, it's, uh, so good. it's it's just it's just some normal looking lady. <laughs> oh, it's so good. 
So Lupin, uh, I, I guess he's just kind of just talking to himself, revealing his plan to the audience. But basically, he he put a transmitter in the mask that just plays a sound that attracts bees. Which in my notes after that, I have like four question marks. <laughs> just just go with it. it, it it's 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 uh, I think that's true, right? That's how bees work. I, I, I was going to say, like, when we get to the next episode, that that's the one I felt like uh, initially uh, is, is the most traditionally Lupin. But looking back at it, this one, I think, <laughs> has the most real Lupin energy out of out of any of the episodes of the woman called Fuchiko Mine. I feel like the traps in the next episode feel more traditionally Lupin, whereas you're absolutely right that this this like sort of uh, caper here, like his his stroke of, of genius at the end feels very original loop on it's like i i guess that would work it's kind of kind of like a a leap of faith but i like it so let's just go with it like next next week on lupon the prime minister of france is going to hand zenigata a (laughs) pie throwing machine to try and catch lupon and you know it wouldn't feel out of place at all no it would be great and uh, yeah they're just like the great thing about a woman called fujiko mine is that it's that and then like several scenes of like lovingly drawn like uh, extremely carefully erotic art about what it is to to like have control over a person it's just like they'll be goofy and then they'll just toss something in like that it's it's absolutely perfect so after the mask falls um off off her face uh lupin you know uh swoops in to try and grab it and he misses it and uh, he he's immediately cornered by Zenigata and Oscar, who who chase him before he can get to it. Zenigata goes after Lupin and commands Oscar to go after um, the, the the Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. And uh. And going with him is is Fujiko. Um. And he unleashes some of the until until episode six some of the most extreme misogyny I've heard in my life at Fujiko. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. He, you know, while, while he's like going backstage or whatever, he finds Fujiko who I guess escaped from the cage and he's just like, Hey, pig woman, help me out. <laughs> she's like, excuse you. What? <laughs> pig woman. <laughs> and she's like, stop calling me pig woman. He goes, I'll call you spittoon because you're, you're, you're simply a vessel for men's disgusting lust. A worthless receptacle for male lust and useless garbage are just some of the things he calls her. Jesus, Oscar, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely brutal. She takes it pretty well because, I mean, let's be real, she doesn't really give a shit what he says or thinks. He's nothing to her. But But it is is enough to make her go, excuse me, what? (laughs) It it does throw her a little bit to have it laid so bare. Yeah, I don't think she's used to being called pig woman is the is the main <laughs> thing. <laughs> so this gives us a great chance to have uh, a, a Lupin and Zenigata, uh, you know, cat chase scene for them to really Tom and Jerry it up. Oh, it's great. The, you know, they, they have the, 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 the backstage uh, area of the giant opera house to play around. And, you know, there there's a whole bit where Lupin climbs on top of the backdrop and just opens the doors and you know oh, oh zenigata zenigata wherefore art thou zenigata 
And then he got a fin- it's great because they he does the he does the beginning of the Romeo and Juliet soliloquy and then does and then Zenigata completes it and like adds stuff about being Zenigata. <laughs> like it's so great. <laughs> Wherefore so- art am I? <laughs> I am here to to wipe out the Lupin line, for that is what my very blood tells me I must do. <laughs> it's so great. It's really silly in a great kind of way. There, there's a there's a bit where like um you know Zenigata shoots at Lupin and Lupin has like a, a faux gun wound and starts like <laughs> pumping out like half half ketchup half chili sauce blood at him. <laughs> I, I love that part so much because of well I mean because of the the payoff is so funny like he has a pump that like is just spewing this stuff, <laughs> but it's also like Zenigata when he shoots him is just like. I got him. It's not. It's not like at all. Like, oh my my foe. Like, what am I without my foe? It's just immediately like, yes, I did it. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's so pleased. Oh god, that's such a good. That's like my favorite goofy sight gag in these three episodes. I think the 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 blood like that. It's so funny. Like Zenigata ends up like on the floor and Lupin gets away or whatever. Or no, Lupin gets away and then Oscar like comes up from a trap door underneath, slamming it straight in Zenigata's face and knocking yes. Zenigata on the ground. So Zenigata is on the ground covered in blood. And then Oscar goes like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, Inspector Zenigata, even even your blood soaked form is just magnificent. I, I, oh, wait, wait, what am I doing? Zenigata! <laughs> he just stops himself. Like, oh, I kind of got away from myself there. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. I mean, it is some slapstick, slapstick. Like, this, this is great. This is my kind of shit. It's very funny. Like, I think, like, this is something that the, that Lupin always has for me that feels almost 60s ish or like out of the 60s where like you get you get these 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 visions of like okay here's what humor is it's a bunch of guys running around and running into doors and stuff yeah and it's like i was gonna say it, it's 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 a it's a chase scene it's a scooby-doo everyone going into different absolutely. doors in a hallway thing where some jangly ass pop tune plays and it's super funny like i think that's the thing like it's very funny and it is just also true that people don't do that as much in, in comedy anymore. Like it is, it is something of that era. Um, and the fact that Lupin still does it is really, really rewarding. Um, if you, if you enjoy watching people uh, run around in hallways and get lost and stuff. I, I can't imagine like a, a chase scene, not being an integral part of a, of a Lupin production. Like I, it, it, they're so married. It would, it would, it would feel awful. To have a Lupin thing without a chase scene somewhere in it. Like a car chase or a foot chase or something like it has to happen. That's that's like that's what you go there for. I feel like the car chases I like are less in this one because it just feels somewhat wrong to have them without Jigen in the side seat, just like crumpled up and like almost <laughs> yeah. bent in half. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're in early Lupin territory, so they don't even have the Fiat. They have the uh, the the Mercedes that Lupin drives around a little bit in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, which is not nearly as fun. No, it's uh, it 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 does manage. I mean, because it's nice to see, you know, oh, they remembered he drove a different car in season one, and since this is a prequel, it makes sense that he's back to that one, you know, and um. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, they, they changed it to the Fiat um, that Miyazaki did in, in Cagliostro was because 
the type of car Lupin, you know, was into before was just really asshole-ish. It was just a really <laughs> shitty, showy car. So Miyazaki was like, no, I want Lupin to drive a real piece of shit, cute, dumb-looking thing. It works much better. Like, uh, credit to Miyazaki there. I know that's very rare. People don't often give Miyazaki credit. <laughs> um, no one talks about how good his food looks. It just never happens. Uh, but uh, Underrated. Uh, yeah, this, is like, this is a real... real only, only heads know who Miyazaki is. Uh, but... Yeah, no, it's it's like it is. It's absolutely correct. Like it, it Lupin having like a, a car that like a flashy jerk would have is not exactly right, because while Lupin has flashy jerk tendencies, they're not sort of his core tendencies. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense for the early stuff, you know, where everything hasn't quite been established. Right. But once you get to like, you know, the core identity of Lupin's character that he is Arsene Lupin, but a bum. Yeah, it totally makes sense that he would have a little shitty Fiat. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like it's like it was something that like definitely took me a while to get when I was first watching Lupin was like, oh, like this guy is not hyper hyper competent in the way that like, you know, a master thief often is like he makes mistakes or like he gets caught up like he, he has to run away from bullets a lot. Like it's not like. You know, it's not it, it's not a Sherlock Holmes villain. It's something something a little different. It's it's Madcap, and he's uh, a lot more Bugs Bunny than you would think. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, and like I think the the Fiat signals that much better. Totally. But uh, getting back to the episode, yes, not to yes, be distracted with uh, other other fun parts about the Lupin franchise, but um, Fujiko and an Oscar kind of get separated since Oscar. Uh, uh, linked up with Senegata and hit him in the face of the trap door. Very good. Um, Fujiko, uh, she's around the, uh, the, the former aqueduct. And um, she, she recalls the bit where the guy uh, very clunkily says the bit about, Oh, we used to call this the river oblivion, the one from Greek mythology, you know, where you can forget your past. And uh, she just kind of looks at it and goes, huh? And, and uh, she, she, I guess has, you know, like, like you were saying, she has a bit of a flashback. It's, um, it, it's another one. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of the, uh, of the bit from episode one with like the eerie, uh, on screen text and everything. There's just this yeah ominous synth sting. Every, everything's in a weird color palette. Like there are owls again. Yeah. There, there's a lot of owl imagery, like, uh, things just like like props and and bits just kind of pop into the foreground like a, like a children's pop-up book it's a really cool effect um you see like a young girl who is presumably a young fujiko she's she's laying on a sofa she eats a butterfly that just flies into her mouth <laughs> it's she's clearly having you know a bad flashback it, it it's meant to unsettle you it's not one of those good ones where you remember uh that you ate a butterfly <laughs> No, no, I can't, I can't say, um, I can't say that would be a good one, you know, whereas, whereas normal people might remember being, you know, that time a, a, a bee landed on their face or something. Fujiko remembers the time she ate a butterfly hole, <laughs> but, but her episode is, is kind of cut short when she's, uh, suddenly strangled from behind. <laughs> yeah, that was surprising. And the only person who would do that is... The, the Phantom the of Phantom. the Opera. It's it's not Oscar. Like, <laughs> no, you would think it would be if you were if you were thinking Oscar. No, they're they're briefly allies right now. Uh, it's the Phantom of the Opera. 
who says, now that you know that the Phantom's real, I have to kill you. Which is rough. Um, kind of kind of a rough a rough thing to hear. Yeah. Um and then uh we learn that the Phantom is in fact uh Dorenzo, the, the carpenter uh stagehand guy from earlier who warned her that the Phantom was real. <laughs> very very Scooby Doo in that aspect. <laughs> the Phantom would have stayed real if it wasn't for you, Fuchiko Mine. <laughs> But then a second phantom appears. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. I loved when the second phantom appeared. That was wonderful. And it's like, oh, what the what the fuck's happening here? And then and then they immediately have the other phantom take off the mask. And this phantom is the real Ion. When you can tell because she has the the burned face. Yeah, she like she has the 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 eye burn that I feel like maybe I'm just thinking of it because my kids have been watching Avatar semi recently. It feels like the kind of like uh, easy, the easy cartoon short. Yeah, sexy yeah, exactly. Eye the genre thing of like they have a scar on their face. It's like one eye is brown around the eye. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, kind of adding to the uh, to the, the the play production somewhat. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Probably not intentional, but they do that. But but to me, it does add to that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Ian. It, it turns out. Uh, her and Dorenzo uh, were in love the whole time. The whole time. Uh, she she was willing to give up her entire career to be with him. Um, they 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 found the plain girl Nora. She she was uh, an understudy. Uh, they they trained her in how to sing, and uh, all this was so Ion could could stop, you know, being being trapped in in her in her performance prison and be with the stagehand. And I don't know why she couldn't have just retired and been with the stagehand. I think I think it's because everyone was mad at them about it. Like it seemed like it seemed like everyone just really didn't like that they were together. I guess so. We really don't get a whole much about that, though. You really don't know a whole lot about Dorenzo. Yeah, she's just like I think I think the implication is that, you know, people didn't like the age difference. Yeah, he is an older gentleman. Like he's probably out in like uh, early sixties, maybe I would say. Yeah, there is and, there um, is a bit of an age gap, and people were having discourse about it. Mid thirties, I don't know. Um, but I mean, it turns out that I mean, she burned her own face. Like it, it wasn't a tragic accident at all. It was an intentional. It was it was so she could destroy her own career, or at least escape her career to uh to to pull off this switcheroo so that so that Nora could perform as I am. I liked that Fujiko's only question here is, uh, okay, I get all of that, but how could you ever leave the stage? <laughs> Which yeah. I feel like is maybe one of the only missteps in that, like, I want to be like, why did Fujiko say that? <laughs> like, I've never, I don't really understand Fujiko loving the stage. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that was definitely like we need to have someone ask this question but we don't have anyone else here but fujiko <laughs> yeah lupon's not gonna ask it and he's not even in the room yet until now <laughs> boom <laughs> and then lupon gets in the room and he, he's he's of course figured out everything they're they're in this like super secret area of the opera house palace thing i guess they they made a little the fifties domestic sitcom living room out of the whole thing. Extremely funny bit where like he, they're just like, yeah, we we made this. It's a uh, I made this couch out of a of like a huge chunk of stone. 
Yeah, I mean, he's 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 the the carpenter for the production. He he can do anything, right? That 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 explains it all away neatly. I do like that they call attention to it. They're like, "This is a nice couch." <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, I made it out of a crypt." And she goes like, "I guess." <laughs> so their their goal the whole time was to just escape all this, live in this secluded area of the palace, I guess. Yeah, live and, in their crypt and, and elope. Because they can't, the, the the world can't abide their love, so they they move to a crypt. I don't know how they're going to get groceries in a crypt. <laughs> it's, they seem to have quite a few. They yeah, seem to have it worked he's, out. He's making stew. Yeah, I mean, and, and um, stew is grocery heavy for anyone who doesn't cook. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna get a stew going without a little bit of groceries. It's true. Very important ingredient. And you know what else is an important ingredient? The, the mask that has the worth of, <laughs> of a small nation. She just tosses it in there like, well, this we don't need this anymore. People figured out the whole Nora thing. I don't need it. She tosses it right in the fire. And now, Fujiko immediately does try to grab for it and then just learns, oh, fire hot. Yeah, <laughs> Fujiko learns object permanence in that moment. <laughs> I did find it like I thought they were going to be like, oh, yeah, the mask was fake the whole time. That's why it's burning. But they never... They never no, explain. It just, just burns like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's that's what that's what gems and gold do. Again, like definitely teasing the episode, but also it is part of the cartoon charm of it. Like it doesn't give you a bunch of explanations. It doesn't have Zenigata at the end, like reaming Fujiko out because like she messed up or something. Like that's just like not really the point of this episode. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a very functional episode. Like Lupin sees the the mask being burned, and he's like, "Ah, darn! Guess I lost." And and that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah, and it, it, like I think in in the spirit of the first three episodes, it's really the first time we see the classic Fujiko Lupin team up, right? Like where they sort of like run into each other on the same heist, are initially enemies and then are allies. Whereas like in the last one, yeah, they became allies in the end, but it wasn't really the same. Yeah, like even as as Lupin was shooting the statue into the sea or whatever, Fujiko is still trying to shoot it out of the air or right. whatever. Yeah, and like that that dynamic exists too, but this feels more like, okay, I, I recognize this. This is when like, you know, they, they are ostensibly on the wrong side, the, the, uh, opposing sides. They are not actually on opposing sides fully. It's sort of like a back and forth cat and mouse. And at the end, everyone just kind of goes, oh, oh well, all's well that ends well. Yeah, they're a lot less against each other and more like, you know, well, I can at least use you in this moment. Right, exactly. And like, I think, you know, it's an important turn from the beginning of the episode where Zenigata is using Fujiko in that, like, we get to see like, okay, this is Fujiko and Lupin using, you know, using each other in a certain way, but also just like getting one over on Zenigata. Um it feels like, again, like this show does a really, really good job of, I mean, outside of just like the art style, which is beautiful. Uh, it just does a wonderful job of like maintaining this respect for the original material while also maintaining a distance. Um, yeah, it, it's cool. a really, uh, I honestly, well done blend of, you know, the, the, the weird, more, um, I guess, art housey vibe of the woman called Fujiko Mine, but still very much being, you know, Lupin with the silly chase scene and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a Lupin show. Like, I think that was what surprised me about it the most. It's like, it's absolutely not, it's absolutely not like a weird departure where people are like, well, I don't like Lupin, but I like this. Like, you kind of have to like Lupin to like this. Yeah, it, it, it's the contrast. It, it's the uh, the unfamiliarity that makes it interesting to, to watch. Yeah. 
And speaking of that, I liked the second episode a lot. The second the episode. fifth episode. Second episode today, fifth episode total. <laughs> yes. Um, now that one... Uh, that, that, that's a very nice traditional Lupin kind of episode. Like we, we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of, a lot of traps and, uh, and, and, and secret passageways and that kind of thing in this one. It's great. And there's also Lupin, uh, having a real big trick that tries to like, that tries to sort of like trap someone in a tomb or kill them. And it's revealed and Lupin just goes, ah, well, can't blame me for trying. Yeah, this one I feel is definitely the most um, like Lupin centric of them all. Uh, uh, in structure, it's basically Fujiko sending Lupin to go do a chore for her. Yep. And um, just because of that, you get a lot of Lupin and not a whole lot of Fujiko, except for the beginning of the end. I did like I did like that that uh, Lupin is basically like uh, I I definitely want you Fujiko Mina. I'll I'll do anything. He gets her like a <laughs> he gets her a. Uh, a, a bouquet of alexandrite roses and says you like gem roses don't you <laughs> <laughs> what woman doesn't like gemeralds <laughs> i was like that's that's pretty good <laughs> who, who's gonna say no um but like the other i thought the other funny part of that was when she was like well that just gives you access to the peep show because of course she's <laughs> bathing nude and he just like saunters in she's like well at least you brought me flowers. That's uh, that we're even now. Um, now, now hold on. She's not entirely nude. She's wearing a giant necklace that, like, <laughs> is almost works as a one-piece swimsuit. Almost. Kind of. She needs to get more so she can finish out the one-piece swimsuit. <laughs> I, it's giant. It is. It is what she says. The my, like one of my favorite lines in the show so far, which is like, "I steal things to decorate myself with," which I think yeah. is really, really good. <laughs> like, just like. <laughs> a perfect thing to say. Good, good encapsulation. Yeah, it's it's right there. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a great setup. It's just uh, Lupin says, "I, you know, I need to have you," and she says, "Well, the only way you can have me is if you steal this uh, this wonderful thing from uh, from a pyramid that just got uncovered coincidentally." You happen to bring me Alexanderite, and you know I got to tell you, you're right on the money with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "So you want me to rob the Smithsonian?" Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, props to him for just going straight away, like, "Oh, you know, I can do it." <laughs> oh, that place, sure. <laughs> We're going down the street and getting getting something from the store. How gauche the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, episode five, Blood-Soaked Triangle, which, uh, you know, um, we haven't talked about it yet, but there are three parts to this. There's a Fujiko, a Lupin, and a Jigen. Yeah, we get Jigen back. He's back. This one is written by uh, Shinsuke Onishi, who uh, who did work on uh, New Get a Robo. He was an episode writer for the 2000s Cyborg 009 series. He did stuff on Darker Than Black. Uh, not a heavy hitter, but definitely has been around in the industry. Uh, I like. I think this is one of the only f- couple episodes. Maybe he did two, maybe, but this is one of the only ones he did. Mm. And uh, you know, I, I like it. I, I I have no complaints with this one. Yeah, no, this is a fun episode. Like, I don't know if there's as much to to examine a, a, as the other episodes. Like, I think I think Jigen's sort of like angst is is kind of interesting. The fact that they kind of make him like, oh god, like. Like stupid life, like I don't have a future. Like I don't know what no one. Like he just he tries to be nice to people on the boat, and they're all just like <laughs> the, the mother's like, get away from that man, he'll kidnap you. <laughs> Which 
I will say I've told my kids to not stare at people, but never because they would kidnap them. <laughs> so he must have really been kind of terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's probably not as much to really sink your teeth into in this episode, but uh, just by virtue of it being, you know, a, a, a traditional caper kind of episode, it, it does perform that function well. And it is, uh, uh, you know, not, not entirely without merit or anything. It's a very oh, no. functional yeah. um, uh episode i mean you need you need ones like this uh to to, to balance everything out too you just need a good 24 minute you know kind of kind of actiony episode almost it's true and i think that's like one of the things that keeps this from feeling like i i, I mean i don't want to say that all like prestige stuff is a chore because that's that's not exactly what i think about prestige stuff i have a lot of skepticism about it but like i also have quite enjoyed some prestige tv so it's like you know, there's stuff out there that's fun and it can be like super interesting, even if it's always serious. But like, I feel like this avoids the chore element of it where like, OK, I'm watching this because uh, I have to and it's good for me. Like, this is just fun. <laughs> like, you don't have it doesn't have to be good for you. You can just enjoy yourself. Um, I, I, I admire that about it because, of course, like with the art and with the kind of like overarching themes, it could absolutely just do like we're doing 12 very serious episodes. yeah. Um, to bring it back to uh, a God's chosen medium anime, the most perfect thing in the world. You I'm know coming around anime... on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by now, I would hope so. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know how anime fans will will immediately just like complain about filler, even even though if they really can't define what that exactly means. Yep, I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, f- there, there's a difference between you know what what anime fans perceive as filler and then just an episode that injects you know some sort of different flavor into a production and i feel like this is definitely more you know lupon lupon is is a is a is a big meal on a table and this is just a different course of it mm-hmm. as this one right here yeah i think that's right and like it is I mean, I hate to be essentialist about it, but it's like it's also different because it takes place in like an Egyptian tomb. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it, it, that's just like the classic. Yes, I realize like it's not nice to steal things out of Egyptian tombs. Like yes, we 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 all know the the various tweets about how um, Indiana Jones is actually a grave robber. Like yeah, all all true. Um, but as Lupin says, uh, he's not a grave robber. He's just a regular robber. <laughs> who happens to be robbing a grave yeah you know he's he, he's not indiana jones he's he's just an asshole he's just a thief he's he's a bad man yeah as he as he says to jegan i think the one thing i really liked about this episode from a like who it's doing a good thematic thing point was how many times they did the uh the weighing your soul and the balance of the feather uh thing that we yeah. all we all hear about anubis and like but like that Jigany is even like, God, this again. And it always goes bad and it only changes when he mentions such Lupin and Lupin's like, I don't know. You know what you did. Was it that bad? Like, or was it good? Like, who knows? I, it feels like you shouldn't worry so much about the, the feather and stuff. Feels like you just hey, who already cares know. If God's going to judge you, you know what you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't need a God to tell me if I'm good or bad. Lupin. Sometimes you could just do a thing for fun, Jeek, and get, get over yourself. Lupin's so like Lupin's so like he just he just read a he just read the God Delusion, and he just wants to tell everyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeek, uh, I gotta I gotta turn you on to my my good buddy Richard. <laughs> 
So Fujiko sends Lupin after this uh, this legendary uh, laughing peacock, uh, which is hidden in an Egyptian tomb. You know, as one does. Yeah, sure. And I mean, it is it is as they say, thieves have known about this tomb for a while, but thieves always kind of they always know first. Yeah, Lupin's Lupin's kind of like, are you sure? Are you sure this one hasn't already been nabbed? But he does it anyway because he he is uh, he 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 does sell her you know he intends to make good on on the message he wrote on her inner thigh i always steal what i say i'll steal even if it's a lady <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's romantic in a way like if you if you squint uh <laughs> but yeah no it's 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 a it's a great setup too because of course like the way that they i was thinking about this while watching it that like a lot of the economy in luke in lupon of like you know like how plots work their way out is that you get you get like people running into each other because there's only like a finite amount of stuff that's fun to steal. Um, and that's this instance too, where like Jigen is looking for something to do. Everyone is terrified of him. He constantly is like being asked to weigh his sins on scales and failing. Um, he gets his bag stolen by a grifter who tries to do the Anubis scale thing. But not just a grifter by the grifters monkey. <laughs> yeah. It, it, he gets, he gets, uh, lured in by the kid, and then he stops the kid's partner who tries to steal the bag. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I've I've seen this one a million times. Nice try, asshole." And then the monkey gets his bag anyway. <laughs> I, lo- I love his I love his comment where he just goes, "I can't believe the monkey was in on it." Like, God. <laughs> they, again, very Indiana Jones. Yes. They they really uh, they really like ramp, uh, ramp up like the genre in this one. No, for sure. And I think like the, like with that in mind, like the, the, the way he's like, okay, um, what am I going to do? I'll just sell my gun. And, uh, and the, the lady's like, I don't want this old gun. Uh, but what you could do for me is get Find me, me a mysterious treasure. Yeah. It's just, it's basically, <laughs> have you seen the beginning of Aladdin? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, it's almost dead on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Like it is, it is absolutely this, like, uh, it's this, it's this fantastic moment where it's like, you know, um, uh, Jigen and Lupin are on a crash course for each other because everyone wants this cool thing. Like it's, it's the one fun thing to steal. And as Lupin points out, about Fujiko's little diamond belt. That's not so fun to steal. Why would you steal that? There's stuff out there that just like, it's not about money. It's not about uh, fame. It's about like, is this the cool thrill. to steal? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and, and like we mentioned earlier, Jigen's kind of doing the like, you know, uh, what, what am I doing in my life now kind of thing? Right. He's, he's really just kind of angsting it up a little bit. I mean, not, not angst, but like, you know, he's, he is kind of lost at that moment in his life. Because at the end of the last episode he was in, he was like, well, you know, maybe I'll I'll throw away the, the bodyguard gig and just live a nice carefree life as a thief. And then immediately he's like, well, I guess I could kill a guy, maybe. No, no, steal this treasure. Oh, okay. Jigen's not, Jigen is not ultimately a very good thief, we find out. Like, I, I, I feel like he, he is fundamentally, because the show ha- needs him to be this way, Fundamentally, he is just not going to be the kind of thief that is going to be better than Lupin or Fujiko. Like he's muscle, and he he he's he's fun muscle who can kind of like pull a caper, but he he's not yeah, there he's, yet. He's competent with it, but he's also you know like he 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 does predict a lot of the traps and stuff. But right. then like he he'll get bamboozled by like the 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 sub trap laid within by <laughs> Lupin's exploding bullets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he it turns out he's he's 
almost right behind Lupin on the trail, and Lupin has already, like, you know, figured out some other stuff to keep people away from him. So Lupin and Jigen end up having uh, their, their first encounter with each other, really. And uh, they, they, they have a little gun duel, and all this is while even more of the of the pyramids, various tricks and traps happen around them. So it's it's a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, duel because it's there's there's giant sarcophagi and 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 flame traps and and all that kind of thing. It's cool too because it like it it absolutely sets up the the dynamic between them because you know you get Jigen doing the hyper competent like assassin thing when the trap is sprung and he's like, huh, I see this, I see that. There's this over here and there's an air vent so. It's that over there. This is the this is grave robbers, not uh, not horrible ghosts. Um, and eventually, like, can like figure out where to shoot to to reveal Lupin before he falls into the abyss. Um, and then, but then, right afterwards, like, they're both completely flummoxed by the uh, by the mummy trick and the the slanting floor. So, like, it is it is great. Like, it's just the, it's the perfect. You know, they're all hyper confident, but they also always make mistakes. The whole time they're just kind of, you know, uh, at each other while also trying to progress through the pyramid. And I mean, like, there's there's so many like wild, you know, set pieces. Like, there's giant stone statues that come to life and try to kill Jigen with giant stone axes. And very cool. It, it it's fun. It's it's really it it's a it's a video game puzzle dungeon for a pyramid. <laughs> yup. No, exactly. And like, it is it is also like. I felt like the it, it kind of like it had this nice balance between okay, practically speaking, how are they gonna get out of this one? And also leaving it crazy enough that you're just like, oh, this is just so fun though. Like I'm having so much fun. It doesn't matter. Like with the exploding bullets where they're just like, Oh yeah, I, I put some exploding bullets in your pocket. I like I stopped and I was like, Oh yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Like I didn't even think like I didn't even think about that. I thought Jigen was just like a super cool guy who could blow up axes. Like <laughs> It's all very fun, and like you said, it, it does a great job of, um, you know, uh, comparing and contrasting uh, Jigen and Lupin as characters, their strengths and their weaknesses compared to each other. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's it's really uh, uh, well done to, to, to really get the audience, um, you know, familiar with, with Jigen and Lupin to, to, to bring that dynamic back to the forefront. And it's interesting because they're, you know, uh, against each other instead of being, you know, best buddies like we're used to. Yeah, it's it's sad to see them against each other. It's very rare, but um, at least they don't kill each other at the end. No, no, they certainly don't. Um, they they make it to the the little antechamber and they have the uh, you know the the tomb right there, and they have to do the 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 the, the scale thing again, and that's where they have the conversation about you know. Oh, you know, uh, you, God doesn't need to judge you. You know what you did, all that kind of thing. Let's just let's just do it for fun. How about how about we just stop uh, getting in our own heads and just do this to do it? I liked and, I liked how like uh, the way the way Lupin says it is like, or the way Jigen sees it, he's like, oh no, this thing, I can't do that. It's like 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 in like a, a kids movie where someone would be like, I can't swim. I told you I can't swim. They're like, are you sure you can't <laughs> swim? Uh, it really is. It really is that moment for Jigen. Um, I don't want to do the scale. Oh, oh this always goes the same way for me. I, I want to go home. <laughs> it's I, 
we, we talked about last time how I was watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it just reminded me of um, there's a bit where Shredder is just bitching to Krang like, I don't want to conquer Dimension X. I want to kill the turtles. <laughs> it's, 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 real, it's whiny in a good way. I'm glad I'm glad he stands up for himself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like crying like kind of pushes him too hard on conquering Dimension X. <laughs> Poor Shredder, he he goes through it. <laughs> what a what a fun villain. But uh so so they 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 do the the scale trick and it does open the 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 thing and they've got they've got the the mummy right there. But surprise, it's full of scorpions. <laughs> and then Lupin immediately into its oh, they're poisonous scorpions. And then the like floor collapses from beneath them, and then they both into it. Oh, it was gonna do this no matter what we did, huh? That sucks. The one, and it's this. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say the one thing I really like before I forget is like when Lupin does the trick uh, and like does the does the scales and it works. He's as surprised as anyone that it worked. <laughs> yeah. Which I really loved. Like he was like, "There's a moment where he's like, huh, look at that." <laughs> Jigen's like, how did you do that? And he's like, I don't know. Like, it's great. Like, <laughs> looks like it worked. I, I loved that. I loved that there was like, there was no trick. It really was just fun for him. Like he was, he he was telling the truth of like, let's give it our best shot, Jigen. Very, very pitch perfect Lupin writing that little moment. Absolutely. But yeah, they all they fall down. The 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 scorpions kind of trip them up. They fall right down. They can't shoot all the scorpions as was their plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they only have so many bullets. And uh, they they fall into an antlion trap, which is like this this sand whirlpool. And that's when Fujiko shows up from like a a chamber above them, and just like, "Hey boys, how's it going?" <laughs> I I feel I feel like infinitely dumber than I should that I did not see Fujiko showing up coming. Like I, I was I was as surprised as Lupin and Jigen. I was like, "What? What's she doing there?" You do get really drawn into it. I think that's the strength of the episode. Absolutely. Is that you're so focused on on the the Lupin and Jigen dynamic that Fujiko dynamically entering like that does sort of uh, take you by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out that um she had uh an alternate route uh secured all along and they were just doing all the dirty work for her this whole time. Yeah, I liked I also liked that it wasn't even like it wasn't even like thanks for springing the traps for me, boys. She's like I'm pretty sure there was just this other route where there weren't any traps. Like I, I found yeah, this they, piece they, of paper. Yeah, they bring attention to that. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I would never do that. I just have an alternate route. <laughs> it just turns out that uh, now uh, I was waiting for one of you guys to solve this final puzzle here, which uh, I can't really solve because it would require me dying. And I'm not really into that. <laughs> I, I, I like life too much. As as Lupin literally says, I'm I'm enjoying life too much to die. Um, like, and he's like, would you, would you really kill us? Would you really just, you know, kill a guy for one of these? Oh, I wouldn't kill you. I just, I just need a little blood. That's all. Yeah, and you guys can then kill each other. So like, you know, it's fine. She, she like, she tries to stoke the fires by saying that, uh, you know, she, she recognizes Jigen's lower parts and calls him itty bitty. <laughs> Itsy bitsy magnum. Yeah. Which, which I liked, I liked Jigen's response to that, which was, I'm not itsy bitsy. That's ridiculous. Like, don't <laughs> <Yeah>. say that. <laughs> she's she's really surprised that Jigen was there, but I mean, like, not terribly. So just like, oh, hey, it's Tiny Dick. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Instant move to just being like, I'll make fun of his small penis. And, that, that, <laughs> and Lupin's like, fine. "Who the hell are you? Why do you know Fujiko? What 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 what's going on here? Why does she know anything about your penis? I, 
That seems unfair to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's immediately like, well, how much do you know about her? <laughs> she just lets him believe that he knows everything. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great moment. She explains that the trap is this basically just a juicer. They they need the blood to like fill fill the thing that that turns that turns the knob that that you know hits the lever that does the Rube Goldberg machine to uh to get the uh, secret panel to open up to have the uh the Alexandrite peacock that she wants so bad. One of like the most truly horrible ways of describing <laughs> a way of dying to say it's like a big juicer. Like, oh. <laughs> And, God. and she, that's that's not us like editorializing she really just literally says it's a juicer yeah. even in japanese she says juusa it's really good <laughs> it's, yeah it's so disturbing like the, the the imagery is like it's right there that's what they're gonna do your your blood is just gonna be squeezed out of this like a lemon man i really like to do that, about it i did like that um all of a sudden every time i had heard uh antlion trap uh, in like a a Final Fantasy game, I realized that like, oh, that's like actually a thing. It's not like where just a big ant lives. <laughs> like I was yeah. like, ant lion, is that where the big ant's gonna come out and start biting you? It's like, no, Trevor, it's like a different thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> learn something today. The ant is not the ant lion. Um, <laughs> so they come up with a, you know, they, she she lets them. She says, you know, like one of you is gonna have to die. So you know, basically gives them the. Uh, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friend uh, speech. And then uh, they, they come up with a, with another option. Because, of course, it is a prequel, and we know Jigen and, and Lupin are in the later episodes. So the the corpse of, the, you know, the mummy falls with them, and um, the mummy filled with the poisonous scorpions. So they basically get the, the corpse down the juicer first, and... Uh, the scorpions end up bleeding into the the mechanism and uh they're able to escape with their lives intact and uh you know because it's alexandrite uh oops the the scorpions uh bleed blue they have blue blood and humans have red blood and is that like uh, and and then jigen remembers oh i heard about a blue thing once uh <laughs> it's not good <laughs> it's death it's not riches like the other thing um but what I, I liked, I liked that this was a turn where like Jigen's like, oh, God, the blue peacock. That's what it must have meant. Like, and then they find the red peacock and it's like, well, I guess not. But they find out, of course, it's Alexandrite. And the only way, way it's going to go red is if uh, and, and be a wonderful treasure is if it's in that tomb surrounded by all the fire. Yep, it it is a, a, a rich that is only able to uh, to be appreciated while being trapped ah always there's a giant alexandrite peacock shaped uh like keyhole basically i love she has that to I put love, it in. there's a keyhole here she looks at it, she goes you have to be kidding me <laughs> it's it's really good Come it on. could not look more ridiculous <laughs> lufon and jean are like i don't know it seems if you want to die in here i guess don't do it Oh, it's really good. Um, so, so they're all trying to, you know, escape with their lives intact. They, they, they have to. Fujiko has to part with the uh, with the peacock, and um, you know, it's as heartrending as it, you think. <laughs> there's nothing she loves more than treasure, and there's nothing she hates more than parting with treasure, and that is unfortunately what she is forced to do. 
they make it outside. Uh, it is now dawn, and uh, she's just like, "This sucked. Fuck this. I'm out." And she rides away on her motorcycle. She just says, "Lupin, next time the the bar, you gotta gotta do more." And he says, "Well, I'll rob the Smithsonian next, I guess." And she goes, "Oh no, no, no! It's got to be much better than that. <laughs> Not good enough. <laughs> that that was that was two days ago. Now it's." <laughs> But of course, with Fujiko gone, uh, Lupin and Jigen can can resume their uh, their duel to the death. Um, they finally give each other their names. Um, Jigen uh, recognizes the name Lupin the Third. You know, fam- famous thief and all. But uh, you know, Jigen's just some guy. Lupin doesn't really know Jigen, but now he knows the name and he does respect him because they had this little adventure together. Even though he says he probably won't remember the name. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to remember. So you're itty, itsy bitsy mag. He's like, my name's Jigen. He's like, I won't remember that. All right, Jeff, let's, uh, let's, let's pull the trigger here. <laughs> so they're, they're about to do their duel. You know, they have the nice little standoff and then they hear the call of a peacock, a real one. And they, you know, they, they, they have a the little stare down they hear the cry and then they just sort of laugh it off. Like, Really? After all this, there's a real fucking peacock. That's that's so stupid. Then they just kind of put down their guns and they're like, "Ah, hey, you know what? See you next time." I liked that a lot because it it did like it was this moment where you get the sense of like, okay, this is how it has to go. Like it has to be this this you know this duel at the end of it all. And then you, you sort of stop and you're like, why? <laughs> and and I, I feel like that's what like that's what Jigen and, and Lupin are sort of doing too. They're like, yeah, they had that moment of realization. Like, why are we doing this exactly? <laughs> do, we, do we really have like unfinished business at this point? I don't think so. We were in it for the treasure, and now the treasure doesn't matter. Why are we at each other's throats? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a. It's 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 a cool moment. Honestly, it's 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 pretty neat. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I I don't know. I really, I really like it. Um, Lupin has this great line at the end where, uh, you know, he's looking at the peacock and he's just thinking to himself about Fujiko and he's like, you know, that, that dumb woman, doesn't she know even peacocks can fly away if they feel like it? <laughs> I thought that was a great line. I also found it very vexing to kind of like understand what he was saying about. Yeah, it it, it 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 has this weight to it that uh, that the screenplay doesn't really make clear what, why it does. It's like, why? What am I supposed to take from this? Um, but I don't mind that. I kind of like when when shows do that anyway. Like a, a very... It's a good line. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things you could definitely infer about it. Um, and maybe it's one of those things that'll that'll make sense the more the more you watch the show and, and the more you you know you learn the direction Fujiko's character. Uh oh! But it sounds like maybe it will because could be. <laughs> but um, also, you know, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't make a lot of mm. sense. Maybe I'm just assigning the meaning to it. <laughs> But it, it is a nice line. I, I do like the intent behind it, even if it's not entirely clear. Yeah, no, I, I really like it a lot. I um, I think like I because I was going to ask you like what, what you took from that line, because I, I really enjoyed hearing it. I was like, yeah, I wonder, I wonder what the deal is there. This is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he says it in such a like, you know, like like weighty, wistful kind of way too. like like he, like he pities her in some sort of way. It isn't even his usual misogyny. He's just, you know. He could have he could have said silly instead of stupid. Um, although I would say in this show, which again a huge departure, Lupin is the least misogynistic character. <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> Lupin just likes to fuck. That that's really all there is to him. <laughs> yeah, they really they really like written Lupin in a, in a way that kind of maintains his character, but but retrieves him. He's he's sort of an Austin Powersy sort of uh, nice guy who just loves sex. He's a little gropey, sure, but I mean, he doesn't hate women. <laughs> and he only gropes women who he already has a sexual history with. We're to understand. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess he I mean, sort of is a little fresh in the next episode with like a schoolgirl, but you know he <laughs> calls himself a nice uncle, which is not creepy, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next one, um, what do you think of the ending sequence? I don't think we 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 talked about oh, yeah. the ending last time, but we never really uh, p- uh, you know put put focus on the ending. It's um, I mean, I love the song. The, the song's so good. It's really good. I like. I. I have. I mean. I don't. I, I like. I like the ending sequence too. But I really just want to say, just up top, I have nothing to say other than I love the song. I. I don't have a lot like of like exciting things to say about why. <laughs> uh, I just think it's great. Um, it's really catchy. Yeah, it's super good. The the beat to it is really fun. The the percussion in it. Yeah, it's, it's very it's jazzy. Beat. Um, but like in a in a sort of like. This is going to sound stupid, but it's sort of like a a very Japanese jazz way where like there's like a a certain kind of Japanese jazz. People haven't had to listen to my opinions on jazz since the first uh, series we did. Uh, (laughs) But uh, There's like there's a certain kind of like style in in Japanese jazz that comes in like the 70s and 80s after um, after like Blue Note and stuff gets like you know, more sort of like standardized in America that sounds like that. It's like, it is sort of groovier. It has like kind of a lightness to it. And it, it is that like, it's, it's so cool. I love hearing it. Um, the animation the keyboard in it's almost a little funky in a way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like again, like sort of like Herbie Hancocky, like it, it's, it's great. Um, I like, I, I find that the animation is like, it's beautiful. It's also really troubling. Cause it's, it's like, it's Fujiko as a girl and, and she still has the same sexuality of Fujiko as an adult. And like, it's not meant in, I mean, listen, like we, we all know the genre has its problems with this, this kind of thing. Um, all things have a problem with like, with, uh, you know, objectifying younger women in ways that they shouldn't. Um, but this is, but this a, is Fujiko as like, you know, maybe she's 11 or yeah, something. And, and she still she's has young. that, she still has that sexuality and it's not, I think it's meant to kind of like, I won't say it's meant to upset you, but it's meant to like, it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't feel titillating. Yeah. It, it's, it's meant for you to kind of tug at your collar a little bit and go. Yeah. yeah and like, even, even the, um, like there's the, there's a repetition and I guess it, it comes before that episode. So it's also, I guess the repetition is in the, in the second episode of the way she's sitting once she's captured by uh Chikalina in, uh, in the second episode, she's nude except for like, the, you know, the only reason you can't see full frontal nudity is because there's a piece of the chair there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just like a you, you get that repeated, but like on a 13 year old, it feels like this is like exploitative in a really like, I don't know, in a way that that it, again, like it's not the show being horny. It's the show sort of giving you something that you don't feel good about. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a uh, it's it's purposeful like unsettling sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I always joke that like you know um, I I love the ending a lot. Um, don't look up the sequence, just look up the song because otherwise <laughs> you're going to be put on a watch list. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, even even if 
even if like you you could explain like oh no 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 it's just like it's a super interesting uh concept and like in the show like there's there's no there's no good way unless you are watching the show itself and you say like i just watched the ending there's no good way for you to uh, to get away from it you can't explain your way out of the like 12 year old in the nighty yeah <laughs> you know it's yeah and like if if it sounds like we are doing a bad job explaining why it's okay, um, trust that it would be impossible to do if you did not have all the context we've built up over the last few hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the reason I bring it up is because uh, in in the in the first episode of the session, they have that Fujiko has that little episode of her as the younger mm, girl. Yes, and, and there's that connection there between you, your kind of primed to assume that 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 the girl in the ending is fujiko because i mean like you know she could be anyone but your brain automatically goes oh yeah that's totally fujiko right no no no, you're totally right and like it is it is a thing where the the i won't say realization but like the the confirmation that it's fujiko is somehow i don't know like more jarring than the fact than like just like the observation of like okay yeah obviously it's fujiko (laughs) Yeah, because you know the the ending it, it's been a, you know that way since episode one or whatever. But then when when Fujiko has that episode and you know more or less confirming to the audience, oh, the girl in the ending, you know they're framing it the same way as the ending. So yeah, it's Fujiko. Okay, right, right, right. Because you're not going to be a hundred percent sure, but you're pretty sure. I think like again, it's you know the fact that the director is a woman is something that like. It seems to have a lot of relevance here in that, like, you know, I I, I find, like, especially in, like, male-directed stuff, and, like, I mean, listen, if I was directing something, I also wouldn't add this because I don't feel like it's something I could do. Uh, But a lot of male-directed stuff doesn't have, like, um, accounts of women at that age, let alone sort of, like, revealing accounts of them. And, and, you know, sexualizing 12-year-olds, not the thing we want, not the thing we want to do. But acknowledging that there is, like, a certain kind of, like, personal and social development at that age that is complex and troubling and, like, weird in a way that makes sense to include in a Fujiko Mine show, I mean, that that's perfectly reasonable. And, like, I, I think it, it only really works because of, of who's doing it. Like, I think, again, like, the creative team is just so sensitive and, like, willing to sort of, like, actually think through what it is that um i don't know what it is that like fujiko might mean as a person um that uh that like it actually works that way like you know anyone would have so much so much more qualms about it if that you know the sequence was played the way it was and then it's a you know a male director and writer you would mm-hmm. go i don't know about that yeah I it's mean, true you know. <laughs> it's a good point and that, that that's a bad double standard in a way i do understand but also you know on the other side of that because it is a, a woman uh you know creative team behind it you you can trust it more to actually have you know substantive meaning you know and not, not to say that a man can't do the same thing but you know but there's less warning signs i'll say i mean i'm not i'm not upset by it i'm, I'm right there with you like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a white cis guy and i would not want uh, a white cis guy doing this uh, i guess white doesn't really matter but like i wouldn't want a cis guy doing it like i, I don't think i don't think i'd appreciate that i think i would distrust it almost yeah, almost exactly. almost immediately um yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. It's one that like I was watching these episodes and my my daughter's home from school and I was like, 
Oh, I hope I, you know, I have to be quick. Like I can't have her come in here while I'm watching the intro. That would be like, you know, like not that I'm like a prude about it, but like, boy, that would be a lot to explain. Yeah. That's a lot to explain. Like it's, it's fine. You know, whatever, when she's older, it's, I don't care. But like now it seems like, uh, maybe I should, maybe I should be careful. And then I got to the (laughs) end and I was like, I have to be even more careful about this. Like this is, this is really bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, even with that said, it, it's a, it is beautiful. Like it's, it's, it's well done. And the song is so good. Like it's, it's hard not to appreciate it too. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very tone setting in the same way the opening is like, it's mm-hmm. a really good um, way to, to, to wrap up an episode. I feel like, well, it keeps, it keeps you sort of like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it keeps you aware that like, there is something dark going on here as well, or like difficult going on. Uh, whereas it keeps you on your toes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like after an episode, like like episode five, you could just be like, Oh, this is so fun. That last bit. It's like, okay, it's fun, but there's also, I think there's something else that's going to happen here. That's going to maybe not be so fun. And not, not to be like, Oh, there's an underlying darkness to all this, but you know, it's still, uh, it reminds you that you're still in a serious anime. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Or at least one that isn't afraid to be serious when, when the situation calls for it. Speaking of which. <laughs> now episode six. I, there's a doozy. Yeah, so let's take a quick speaking of speaking of gender and girls <laughs> oh, and, oh and, God. and sexualization. Yeah, let's take let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll hit episode six. Alright, sounds good. Okay, taking Okay. All right, so welcome back. Thanks for thanks for waiting through that. Um, so yeah, uh, episode six. Uh, were you were you worried, uh, listener, that we would never talk about uh, Oscar and Oscar's uh, love for Zenigata in a serious way again? Um, I hope you weren't, but if you were, uh, guess what? <laughs> we're we're ready to do it. Episode six, Prison of Love, another one written by uh, main writer Murray Okada. Um, This might be my favorite episode in the show. It's a wild episode. Like it is. There is a lot going on. And like the the description of the episode is like Fujiko is uh, is a teacher at a girls school and has to steal all the hearts of all the maidens. I was like, oh, boy, that's. Oh boy, it was getting a little hot under the collar in this description. I, I, <laughs> all right, and then like that's not what this is about. <laughs> like it kind of is, but not really. Um, Dear Wikipedia summary, let me introduce you to the concepts of a plots and b plots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot more going on in this episode, and um, all of it has to do with. Uh, well, I mean, all of it has to do basically with and I kind of gave it away, but not I mean, not in a way that's a problem uh, with Oscar um, uh, Zenigata's uh, Girl Friday. Um, I don't mean to do a gender pun there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you ever wanted Lupin to do a uh, an all girls boarding school episode, this is the one. <laughs> If you ever wanted to uh, to have the uh, the Lupin episode with the uh, with the problematic girl on girl teacher student age cap episode, this is the one. Dear Mister Monkey Punch, I have an idea for an episode of, for an issue of Lupin. <laughs> Monkey Punch would be so hyped for this one. I wonder if he ever saw it. I, I have to hope so. 
But this has to this this would be the one where he'd be like, oh, I don't know about all this, but I like the part where they kissed. <laughs> it's true. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's an early moment in 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 this where like you get the problematic age gap teacher student thing and you're like oh so it's, it is just gonna go this route and and it doesn't like it, it it veers off hard after that but like the that moment i was like oh okay i guess i guess this is what this episode is um no so fujiko has indeed uh infiltrated an all-girls boarding school to presumably steal something important because um Right now, she's sort of being framed, um, you know, by by the students. Oh, you know, this new teacher, Miss Fujiko, she's she's so beautiful. She's so amazing. I love her so much. Um, she she has become the object of uh, affection and attraction to these poor, poor hormone adult girls. <laughs> but boy, they, boy, do they love uh, they love lusting after Fujiko. And who among us would blame them? Now, one of them is even bold enough to uh, have have their little love confession to Fujiko, and uh, I like I like her character design because she has a a big seventies headscarf. She also yeah, and she also almost has like that like a seventies anime design. Like she looks like she has like the broad forehead of the uh, yeah, of the heroine of like af- <laughs> like vampire hunter. Not D. afraid to have the five head. Yeah, exactly. Like she, <laughs> she really she really goes for it that way. Uh, she she is kind of like the the vampire hunter D girl. I never really thought about that. Yeah, there is some similarity there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to the uh, the the vampire hunter D uh, n- novel audiobook Ooh. dramatization with full cast. Is it good? Uh, I like it. I <laughs> that's not a, that's not an encouraging answer. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's bad. It it's uh it's interesting. I like it. Okay, I might do that. I I I am very interested in hearing more about the the Vampire Hunter D light novel because uh I remember talking about it during the Vampire Hunter D episode and being like, I wonder what that's like. I wonder if it's the same. They're they're putting out the novels themselves in omnibuses. Um, I think the first the the, the one compiling the first three novels is out now, and then um they're doing you know the full cast dramatization oh, wow. of um of each one of them and then there's also a separate like normal uh narrated audiobook version of each of them wow okay i had no idea vampire hunter d was was going on so strong here in english now listen everyone loves vampire hunter d it's uh they should it's 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 a it's a revolution <laughs> it's cool it's very cool but enough about vampire Hunter. never enough uh, <laughs> no 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 please go ahead yeah uh so the girl confesses to Fujiko, you know, Fujiko, Miss Fujiko, I love you so much. Uh, I, I want to stay here forever with you. And she even moves in for the kiss. And um, Fujiko just, just kind of takes that in stride. And then what Fujiko does, uh, what, what Fujiko Mine does, what, what the teacher of the school does in the very first <laughs> five minutes of the anime to really just set the tone... <laughs> She goes full in, uh, just turns the, uh, the, the the peck on the lips to a full open mouth thing, grabs the girl's ass, does not let go. The girl is gasping for breath and uh, just, just lets the girl have that. She, they, they, they disengage from the kiss. There's, there's the saliva that pops out into the air. It was, it was a humdinger, and the girl just kind of squeals and runs away. <laughs> it was a real serious kiss. And someone is watching Fujiko do this kiss over in the corner. 
another very plain, boring looking. A shy, yeah, named Isold. I love, I love all the German names. <laughs> like, there's, there's nothing like an anime doing German names to me. It's very funny. <laughs> I, I mean, you ever watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes? That's, that's the good shit. I keep wanting to, and then, and then Piss tells me not to because it's too. Like, I think, I think it's fear of what will happen when I do so. <laughs> It is. It is a very large commitment. I will say that. But uh, if if you ever want a ton of of, uh, of of German names being, you know, I do <laughs> being told at you by uh, various Japanese accents, it's it's the one for you. <laughs> there, there is also even any Solde there. Um, okay, it's it's the name of one of the ships. But uh, I love, I love, I love it. I just love how like they're always extremely uh, traditional. They're <laughs> always like, oh, my name, my name is. Uh, is Tristan and this is Gustave. <laughs> like it's like, all right, cool. That's fine. I guess so. <laughs> so uh, Isolde is is looking uh, onward, and uh, she seems to also be part of the uh, the the gaggle of of young teens that really really have it for Miss Fujiko Bad. Oh yeah. But um, she's just kind of looking on. She 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 looks like you know the quiet bookish type. Um, the pathetic nerd who belongs in the locker. She'll never get. She'll never get with Fujiko. She'll never get with Fujiko. The cereal tastes so good. I'm not going to spit it out in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Isolde is looking on, and uh, she's she she just does the lament. Like, oh, you know, she'll 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 never be with me. I'll never be chosen. Yada yada. Fujiko just pretty much walks over to the uh, to the gazebo or whatever, and it's just like. So, uh, you enjoy the show? <laughs> so good. Have every everyone doing good in the con- in the in the audience here tonight? Just like, hey, do you need to know more about what happened in class, or do you need to learn how to kiss? <laughs> Excellent. Good. <laughs> yeah, good she job. She gives her Fujiko. the opening. <laughs> just you know, in case you ever, this is basically the opening I was always waiting for in high school for someone to be like, <laughs> did you want to learn how to kiss today? Like, yes. Uh, now, I, now I can be smooth now. And Isol does exactly what I would do in that situation. He goes, Abba, uh, uh, d- 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 no. And we talked about it uh, earlier, too, but but the lesson was uh, reading Goth and just talking about how, 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 how fickle women are and how they're better than men. I loved, I loved that Goethe. Like, it's like, so well, on it, the nose. It's so great. Women don't show their true form. It's like, oh, is that because women are weaker than men? No, it's because they're stronger than men. It's like, ooh. <laughs> Fujiko reciting that kind of stuff is like so on the nose that it's delicious. It rocks. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Like, yeah, it's it's like it would be like if you were reading an X-Men comic and they were like, like Mystique was like, hey, I found this passage, uh, but better because it's Fujiko. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that that that's two solid entry points into, hey, soul, do you want some of this? Did you like what you saw? And uh, Isolde, uh, truly the the virgin and not the Chad, uh, <laughs> does not do anything with that, and instead just continues being a, a sad, forlorn little bitch. It's great. Although she does get to start spending time with with Fujiko, and she says, you know, is this was this the best part of my life, or was it also a nightmare? I don't really see why it was a nightmare for her, but you know, <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> Yeah, she she she. I guess Fujiko decides that you know this this girl needs some some extra care as a teacher, so she's spending time with her after class and and making sure she you know flourishes uh, in in her youth as a student and all that kind of all thing. for like very very non uh, theft related reasons. 
Definitely not because Isolde has been kind of just manhandling a pendant that she's been wearing on her neck. Looks like a nice anything. pendant, too. I don't know. I mean, I'm no pendant expert, but... Uh... Um, so they, they, they have this, you know, this, this nice close relationship and you could um, call it that. <laughs> this nice, wholesome student teacher relationship mm. that doesn't have any tongue kissing yet. And, <laughs> and the other girls at the boarding school don't take this very well. And, um, you know, Fujiko has been, you know, trying to get to know he's old you know oh your hair is so pretty you know um you know that 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 pendant's very lovely you know um is there any story behind it that kind of thing normal and questions I, so it turns out the pendant is a is a memento from her late father who 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 i guess had, had homeschooled her up until this point and uh and then took care of her in that way and this is her her first you know big big moment in the real world and um pretty rough to homeschool your kid up to like 16 and that'd be like yeah right if i die you have to go to an all-girls school though. it's like <laughs> oh geez Talk about, like, i would i, I would hate end. to be just let loose in high school like fuck Ugh. at least at least do it in middle school i mean middle school's infinitely worse than high school but at least it, it teaches you the social skills yeah i feel like when you get to high school it's like no one no one's there to help you. Like no one's, no that's, one's like interested. that's letting you drown. Yeah, you're, and you will. Like in middle school, you will get beat up, but you won't drown. You'll learn something. In high school, God help you. Those girls are sharks. They are going to eat you alive. They smell the blood in the water, <laughs> and so they cut off Isolde's hair. <laughs> yeah, they 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 get tired of her monopolizing Fujiko's free time, basically. And uh, they're like, "Well, Fujiko said your hair was real pretty, so let's just get rid of that." I like this is just this is just Fujiko Mine presents Donna's Hearts the Secret History. It's very good. <laughs> so so Isold is uh devastated. Uh there's nothing worse you can do than to cut a girl's hair. Uh Ranma taught everyone this. Everyone knows this. It's a shame um, it's a shame that she now has like a very cute like pixie cut. Yeah. Yeah, it, they did such a good job uh, ruining her <laughs> hairstyle to where it still looks pretty great, actually. They, just, they chopped up, and then they, they did some layering, and it was really, it was very, you know, <laughs> very cruel. No, nothing says uh, uh, a freak bullying attack, like perfectly feathered 70s hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could infer that in a way, I suppose, but... <laughs> uh so so she's distraught about this whole thing she goes to fujiko and she finally breaks and you know fujiko's like oh my god you know what happened and Fuji uh isolde finally just does the you know you know i'm I'm gonna take my shot let i'm gonna take you up on that whole how to kiss offer that you you mentioned like a week ago <laughs> and, and unlike in the real world when you mentioned i want to take you up on that offer to teach me how to kiss that you mentioned uh a, a week ago it works it totally works. Fujiko uh, does a very sexy recital of the passage that she was reading the students earlier <laughs> that we talked about. There's this there's this <laughs> sexy little musical number of just some some lady going da da da. It's really good. Yeah, it's like it's um, it's very um, it's an extremely sensual scene between people who probably should not be having a sensual scene, but it's okay. Like it's fine. It's 
I have it written in my notes that it's probably the most erotic scene in Lupin's franchise's entire history. It wouldn't surprise. There's like a, there's an up close thing of an ear being bitten, and then like a gasp of like orgasmic pleasure. Like it's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty erotic. Like so much of of Lupin and and I mean you know anime as a whole or whatever is just like you know leering shots of legs or something or like wow a boob, <laughs> <laughs> but but this is like full on like it's erotic it's it's sexy, it it is it is going for yeah it really I mean it really is in a way that you know you're not prepared for it to do but it sure is happening. And I feel like this is where, like, this is where the the episode takes its turn into like a lot of stuff you're not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, this this is the major left turn because, um, you know, uh, as a, a nice touch, I liked that I didn't even know, I've seen this show probably like six times, but I didn't even notice it until this viewing. But um, the the music, the the lady just doing a little sexy da da da. Um, right at the very end, um, it, it turns into a duet with a, with a male voice uh, doing the harmony line, and that's when that's Isolde, Isolde drops the uh, the facade, uh, just goes on full. Aren't you being a little selfish, Miss Teacher? And it turns out it was Oscar the whole time. No, no. Now, okay, here was my question from the beginning: Is it the same voice actor? Yes, both times. Okay, interesting. Because I definitely picked up that it was Oscar's voice actor afterwards, but I did not initially. So, um, and I didn't know if Oscar, they changed it. And I was like, that would be rough if they. Ch- I wouldn't like that, but I really like that it's all the same. Yeah, um, Oscar is voiced by Yuki Kaji, who's a, uh, at this point he, he has exploded in popularity. Very famous voice actor. He's um, cool. he's a lead kid in Attack on Titan. Oh, okay. He's uh, he's he's the the. Uh, the, the kid with the fire powers and, and my hero academia. Uh, he's, he's the, the jerk from seven deadly sins who I hate. He's uh, Koichi and, and Jojo part four. He, he's, he's a very popular guy. He is all over the place. Like there, there was a while where you probably couldn't turn on an anime without being subjected to Yuki Kaji. Wow. Um, and, uh, in this one, he, he very convincingly plays a young girl. It's impressive. Like it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, honestly, like even when I was like, oh, it's, it's Oscar's voice actor. I will listen for like the tones of Oscar. You can hear it later. And then like, honestly, like I would say, I don't know, five minutes in, I just stopped hearing it. I was like, it may as well be like two completely different actors. It's amazing. It's really well done. I mean, uh, you know, I've shown this to a couple of people or, or, or people have watched this on my recommendation. And uh, I, I always am excited for when they come to me with, their, with, with what they've seen for this episode. Because uh, <laughs> one of the people I convinced to do to watch this um, is a complete voice actor freak like me. Okay. And um, she was like absolutely blown away. She just blows up my DMs like that was Yuki Kaji the whole time. The whole time. I never. Oh, my God. And it was so good. It was the whole time. I was just like, yes, yes. It really, it really was remarkable. Like I, it was, it, it was the best, like, you know, the killer was in the house the whole time reveal. I've seen in a long time. It, it really throws you for a loop. And I mean, I'm I'm really good with uh, with voice actors and that kind of thing. Like I, I I can pick up on that kind of thing really really well. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but it's just it's just a skill I have, mm-hmm. and I never saw it coming. 
I was I was bamboozled the same way I would hope anyone else would be. I mean, and yeah, it's just a great moment. It, it's such a mic drop. And like the this is where like the the misogyny of Oscar becomes also just like like and I mean not that it's like incredibly shocking but like tinged with the with the homoeroticism in like uh, that he he shows in other uh moments in like a very clear way um that's like super interesting like it it the whole scene where he's pouring the the wine on Fujiko um on her. this is this is where Oscar gets turned up to 11 <laughs> yeah Oscar goes for it in this scene like um and it, it is just like this mix of um I don't know, like attraction and violence and it's, it's wild attraction and repulsion Mm -hmm. and confusion and lament and it's nuts. But, um, so, so he, he does the reveal that it's Oscar the whole time. He immediately just like punches Fujiko and the, does the anime thing where he punches someone in the gut and that immediately just takes them out entirely. That's how it works. Right. Um, and then it just hard cuts to like, you know, three months earlier, basically. Um, we learn that um Isolde's father, Dr. Blaha, um, he had this incredible like secret research paper uh that he was going to reveal to the research world, which would have shook up everything, and they are as vague as possible about all this because it doesn't matter. Right. But um I-, I love I love the idea of like an academic paper that we were like what is it? Like what <laughs> It would change everything. What's his, what's his field? It would change everything. <laughs> it's, it's it's sociology. It's it's, <laughs> it's uh, ontology. So he's got to think. He won't believe what he thinks about Hegel. But uh, it, it turns out he was uh, he, you know, he, when he passed away. This the secret paper was hidden uh, and and it was stolen. Uh, it's actually two papers, uh, but one looks like gibberish without the other. They're like kind of written in code. Again, something academics, um, you know, I, I listen, I, I went through my, the graduate school. I know what I'm talking about. This is something that we academics, I, you know, count myself among them. Absolutely do all the time. Coded papers. Not, not to get too ahead of myself, ourselves, but um, they do name drop the Da Vinci code. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Like, just when you think shit's getting too convoluted, they're like, uh, excuse me, the Da Vinci Code, I rest my case. <laughs> I do love the idea of writing an academic paper and being like, this is so huge, I have to write it in the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> like, sending it, sending it to my thesis advisor and being like, hey, um, you're gonna also have to use this other file. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, doctor, uh, in, in the email attachments, I have, uh, I have printed you a uh, a coupon that you need to uh, sign in to get the secret decoder ring once you send to Kellogg's. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it is a wonderful uh, honestly like what a what a great like what a great little uh, uh twist though to add to the whole thing to be like yeah it's a it's <laughs> it's it's a two papers we need both of them and it's a secret. And also uh we learned that one of the papers is in danger because it's in the in the amulet and the amulet's a big old trap. So Zenigata and Oscar are being briefed on all of this, and um, you know, the amulet is in is in the hands of uh, Isolde, who is about to go to the sporting school. And um Oscar convinces Zenigata, 
hey, I've got this great plan. You can leave it all to me. Don't even worry about it. And I guess that convinces Zenigata. <laughs> or maybe Zenigata was just like, I don't feel like doing this. You go do this. Yeah, Zenigata seems like he's, he's very hard to figure out in this. I mean, you would think he'd want to do it because Lupin is involved, but Oscar's just like, I'll capture Lupin. It's not a problem. Um, so, you know, he goes for it. Maybe he just wants to give Oscar a chance. Who knows? But uh, so Oscar's plan, uh, he, he goes up to uh, Isolde, kind of kind of quizzes her about the whole situation. And then once he hears enough, um, confirms all the information he has, he just steps forward, rips open her blouse to reveal the pendant, then takes off his shirt and just is like, all right, I'm living your life now. It was like just like an unbelievable moment where where it was like, OK, um, take off your clothes and she's like wait what excuse me mr <laughs> officer sir <laughs> all the cops in this are realistic in that they are utter monsters like he doesn't just like undo her shirt or something to reveal the pendant he rips her blouse yeah open. It, it's an assault like it's like <laughs> it's it's awful um it's wild like i mean like they're doing some stuff with this oscar character for sure and just, he just starts stripping in front of her too. Yeah. It's, it's like he doesn't—he he doesn't even like knock her out or something. I don't know. It's, but I mean, he's doing all this just as she watches, and it's just she, this thing is scarred for life. This poor child. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like she does—she doesn't get to go to the boarding school she was looking forward to. She doesn't get to you know get out of her father's you know under her father's wing. You know she's she's assaulted by this fucking freak cop. Like what a weird scene, but what a very effective scene too. And like, it really does sort of get, get you to the point where it's like, yeah, this guy is like, I mean, he's a psychopath. Like he's not like, this isn't Zenigata being like, you know, it's worse than Zenigata being like a, a creep. It's like, it's, it's a lot worse. Like this guy is, this guy is something different. Like you go from like him, you know, uh, uh, choking out the other cop in the first episode and, and you know, him or in, in the fourth episode and him calling Fujiko a spittoon and a sow and a receptacle for male lust in episode five. You go from thinking like this guy's kind of a, kind of fucked up. And then this one, you just go, wow, <laughs> this guy is fucked up. Yeah, he, this guy, <laughs> this guy is a mess. <laughs> this guy's a, a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like it, it is, it is, uh, it's jarring. Like it, it's absolutely jarring, but it's, I mean, it's, it's very effectively done. Like I, I think, I, I don't know. Like I think you're not going to, you're not going to like watch Oscar in this and be like, that came out of nowhere. Cause it, it doesn't really come out of nowhere. When you stop to think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see it. Like I, I, the, the the knob is being slowly turned right. as you're watching these episodes and maybe it maybe it just skips from from eight to ten yeah exactly yeah it's not like it's not like oh you know uh the it's the first episode of like oscar where it's like isn't he just like a sidekick like it's you know that he loves zenigata you know that he is a little bit like horrible like all the all this stuff has been sort of like laid out so it's not an utter surprise but it it's you know it's intense like we, we mentioned him um you know admiring zenigata's blood-soaked form in episode five when he's got lupon's chili sauce all over him but um <laughs> there, there's been a lot more like kind of subtle moments where he just has these kind of you know half second blushes or like 
the the body language he displays around Zenigata. Like you can definitely tell this guy, this guy has 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 a torch for for our our, our intrepid inspector. He does, yeah. It's, uh, Oscar is holding is holding a torch for Zenigata, um, and it, it comes it comes to comes to the fore here. One thing that I really liked about about this reveal was also the reveal that all the girls in the school were in, in league with Isold, aka Oscar. That like all the things they did were just like at Oscar's behest to get in with Fujiko. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Like where like they you know they they all like come up to her uh, and they're just like, "Thank you so much." Like I. You know, please, please. What was it like kissing Miss Fujiko? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all just they're all super hyped to to, to be his underlings. <laughs> they're just Oscar's is like, get out of here. They're like, of course, of course, mistress. Yeah, they 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 still they still call him Isol, but they're fully aware that he is Oscar. Like when when he when he drops his voice and tells him to fuck off, they start swooning a little yeah, bit. It's, it's it's great. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, but, but before we get to all, I know that, I actually I realized I, I missed a really good part. Yeah, th- there there is the part where um, Oscar is looking over Fujiko, who he has stripped naked and uh, and and pours a glass of wine slowly all over her naked form, and is talking about you know uh, uh, how how he'll never be chosen, you know how 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 he he. He can't have Zenigata. It's the same poem. Him away. It's his poem that we thought was about when when we thought he was Isol. It was we thought it was about uh, um, Fujiko, but it's about it's about uh, Zenigata. It, it's a whole it's a whole purposeful duality, baby. Yeah, yeah. They bamboozled you again. Nah, they got it's me. really good. It's really creepy. The the direction in that scene is incredible. It's Just it's the, like the, legitimately the menacing. Yeah, I mean it. It's it's like a it's a, it's something out of a horror movie, mm-hmm. nearly like just his 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 gaunt hand with the like you know with the with the long nails. There's a shot of that just pouring the the, the wine glass at an angle. And, I mean, he starts at her crotch and just goes up across her abdomen until it reaches her lips, and then he pours some in her lips, and then he licks her lips and her open mouth because she's knocked out. Yeah. I'd- very unclear uh how much uh this the the sexuality transfers to Fujiko from Zenigata to Oz- like the you could have called this one bloody triangle just as easily um <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll just say <laughs> it's really not clear like you know is is there a level you know how much is the level of transference here? Mm-hmm. Is is it ju- is is it just Fujiko is a vessel to get closer to Zenigata because Zenigata stuck his dick in Fujiko, right? Or 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 what is this? You know? And it yeah, I think like it, it's to the credit of the episode that it doesn't feel any reason to make it clear. Like there's there's never like you don't get like a, a sit down at the end where Oscar's like here's how I feel about everyone. Um, it just is. It is like a, a messy sexual morass and like it just works so much better as a result it it and the framing of it too like i mean just all the shots and like the storyboarding in this episode is out of this world mm-hmm. just a really good looking episode a really cinematic episode yeah. all around because like when when he finishes up with that there's just the shot of you know looking in from the window and and we cut it to like there was an owl watching the whole time and it just flies away. The owl imagery in this, in this set of episodes is like 
really good. I love it. It's uh, it's something. I'm right. a sucker for it. They they they've really uh, they they've really been hammering home owls just conceptually. Owls, won't you <laughs> consider consider the owl, <laughs> the humble who. <laughs> <laughs> So after that, uh, Fujiko seems to be having another episode while she's unconscious. I guess maybe uh, another nightmare, maybe a, a flashback to her youth again. And there is uh, a return of the unsettling narration, um, like on screen text that there was in the first episode. And it says, Fujiko Mine, rapture and despair, you are comprised of all these elements. Fujiko, I shall record all of you. Blood and tears and saliva, everything of the tale called Fujiko Mine. Yes, your natural form. And, you know, all throughout this, we see more shots of, of, of owls and, and the young Fujiko and guys with owls' heads just performing weird, cruel, like, experiments on, on Fujiko as a child. Yeah, and, like, it is, it's this, it's a, you know, it's like a, a mix of, um, you know, it, it almost feels like uh, Edward Gorey kind of like uh, whimsy almost. And then also just utterly terrifying at the same point. It's really hard to pin down like those giant owls and like how they're supposed to feel for the audience, which I think is pretty cool. You know, pe- people toss around the word dreamlike a lot, but they nail it. Here. Oh, yeah. it, it does feel like a, a weird fever dream where like nothing makes sense, but also everything makes sense because your brain's telling you it does because it's a dream. And like the, the, the way that the, the show is like kind of giving you all these places to find connection. It it also kind of leads you that way where it's like, Oh, you know, I know, I know what, I I know what this is supposed to look like. I know what it's supposed to to be like, because there's owls everywhere. There's this, there's that. And it, it doesn't actually make it any more sensical, not yet, but like it doesn't matter because you know, you, your brain, as you say, is like just kind of making the connections as well. You're kind of following the dream logic. It it it's putting all the puzzle pieces on the table for you. Yeah, basically, they're they're still in the pile. You do not know where they go yet. You don't need to know the edges out. It's like it's it's yeah, a mess. Exactly. <laughs> you you've got like two of the corners. Like where the fuck are the other? <laughs> two? Come on. <laughs> this is one of those. Immediately, I'm I'm doing my thing. When I do puzzles where I say, did I, this is some sort of, uh, this is some sort of like defective puzzle. <laughs> Clearly I didn't get all 300. <laughs> I, I, I have been slighted. Of course I would be. I am always the me, victim. me, this the protagonist right. of history has once again been slighted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Fujiko, she snaps back to consciousness. Um, and now there is a man standing, uh, in the balcony and uh, the, the, the show obscures his face, but uh, the camera just dramatically pans up, and as it cuts away, you hear an owl hoot. Mm. So, Oscar, uh, he's, he's still doing the, the recitals. Um, uh, Lupin finds him and uh, takes him aside, and Lupin is clearly after the pendant. He, he he does not know Oscar is Oscar because Oscar is still in these old get up basically. Um, he tells Isolt he's he's a he's a kind uncle and will not do or I guess he says brother. It's not uncle. But uh yeah, he's an older brother who will be kind to her. <laughs> 
uh, you know, Oscar's playing up the uh, the innocent Isolde victim, you know, like, oh, you know, Fujiko, she she stole something really important from me. And then Lupin was like, is it dependent? Did she steal dependent? No, no, it wasn't dependent. It was it was something much more important. <laughs> Your heart? Even gets, more important. Oh, boy. Yeah. Lupin kind of gets steamy about it. And I like that exchange because they're um, they're, they're riffing on the end of Cagliostro there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I didn't even think about that. No, you're absolutely right. I didn't either until I, I watched it this time. I'm like, oh, they're doing the Kaliosa thing. Like, He's stolen your heart, ma'am. <laughs> they're just, they're kind of just going through the motions like, oh, yeah, no, stealing something important, huh? No. Oh, oh my God. Did she take her virginity? Oh, that's so hot. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> like Lupin's doing the whole, oh, yeah, I'm a nice guy. But then also he's doing the every finger moving all at once on his hands. <laughs> 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 um, God. You know, Lupin's starting to 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 do that a little bit, and then I guess they're in the um the auditorium of the school, and the curtain raises to the uh to the army of of high school girls. Say <laughs> this is our this is our girls' paradise, <laughs> the young maidens' paradise. We we don't accept cockroach men like you here. Which I gotta say, then, good description of Lupin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, and they're all good. armed with rifles. By the yeah, way, yeah, like AK forty sevens. It's pretty solid and as they say this a single lily falls from from nowhere just the, the it just you have a little sound effect for it just a, a single lily falling from the ceiling <laughs> uh you know lily lily of course uh uh meaning yuri uh, they're, they're, they're playing it up here folks they, they know what they're doing <laughs> i, I love they, they know fire. what they're doing <laughs> They open fire on Lupin because uh, they are completely under Oscar's thumb at this point. And as 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 like with any Lupin uh, scene, uh, he is very good at uh, cutting and running. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, I, I see where this is going. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. So, you know, I've watched this several times. I'm still not exactly sure what um, what Oscar really did to get these girls on his side. It's not really discussed. I feel like in a longer sort of like psychosexual thriller, we'd learn, <laughs> but, yeah. but in this, they, in this they say they've get, that he's given them something precious and that's like it. I have no idea what that means. That could have a whole lot of implications. I feel like the thing that he gave them was like the way I understood it in the show. And I'm going to say, I don't think this is like the only compelling answer uh, was like access to like their fantasy of Fuchiko. That said, like, I, I don't find that completely um, convincing. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's I'm not really concerned about it. It's not a thing we really need to know, No, it, but it's still like there's a there's like a chunk that they had to cut for time out of the screenplay, basically. And it's also like, I mean, if you're if you're sort of like asking you know, well, what 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 line did Oscar cross or whatever? I think it's like it's important to just kind of like direct yourself back to Lupin and Jigen talking in the tomb and Lupin going like, oh, yeah, we probably couldn't do that because we're both bad guys. Well, I don't know what a bad guy is. Whatever. Like this is like, this is how <laughs> the this is how the um the the show deals with with morality. It's it is like it's a sliding scale. It's just like sort of it's not something that's easily pinned down. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so so Lupin uh, does make it away. Um, he manages to uh, to trap Lupin. Oscar gets on the other side. Um, he gets a call from Zenigata on the radio. He's very relieved to hear from Zenigata. 
Um, but immediately, but, yes. Zenigata um, se- seems to be being bamboozled. He-, he is, you know, going from like Oscars that you to, oh, 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 God. And, um, you know, he, uh, Oscar starts freaking out. Fujiko takes over the walkie talkie. Um, she's, you know, say, oh, I have Zenigata. Um, oh, and by the way, that pendant you're holding, uh, take a good look at it. It's actually a spooky skeleton. Because I, <laughs> I love the spooky the skeleton so much. <laughs> <laughs> she's like it's the oldest trick in the book did you really think i wouldn't do this and she 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 taunts him further by saying like were you so turned on that you didn't look which just makes him angrier <laughs> yeah he gets so pissed off at that oh it's so good and that's where she does talk about the da vinci code by name <laughs> because the 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 locket has a code in and of itself that if you don't get the code right the locket will shred the paper um and bye-bye code so bye-bye paper um and so she needs oscar to give her the code so oscar uh of course refuses to do this but uh as he hears zenigata uh struggling in pain more and more sounds of grunting um he he eventually uh has to has to uh do it anyway upon zenigata saying oh i'm dying i'm dying <laughs> and she says and, I, uh, shall you give me the code before i take all of the inspector's fingernails i'm, I'm even better at torture <laughs> than i am at theft yeah because she's like well i can't negotiate so how about i just torture you a little bit and there's this great uh like nonsensical imagery of just someone picking a petal from a flower and it falling apart <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very artsy for no reason in a great it's way it's so good uh, like Oscar just screams to the heavens for Zenigata. Tears are running down his face, and uh, and he he gives her the code. And even worse, after the code is given, he goes in to try and find Lupin, who is trapped in the in the uh, in the hot house for flowers, and Lupin is gone. And upon learning that, uh, Zenigata shows up, <laughs> and Oscar's like, "Oh, thank God, you're safe." And Zenigata's like what <laughs> what are you talking about oh poor oscar not that we need to worry not that we need to pity oscar he's uh not a nice man but uh he sure doesn't get the good end of the stick here nope because the uh the big twist is fujiko had recorded uh a second round of sex with zenigata <laughs> uh the whole time so all the uh all the grunting in pain and all the, oh, I'm dying, I'm dying. It's because she is delivering some primo sloppy. It's so funny to, to think about, like, saying the stuff Zeddy Goddess says during sex. But, <laughs> um, you know, good for him for being, like, open with the way he experiences pleasure. You know, some some men are afraid to vocalize, and Zenigata not not one no, he, drops on him. He's happy to tell, he's happy to tell abroad <laughs> how good she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this, of course, breaks Oscar pretty good. Um, they, they, they lose. Uh, Oscar and Zenny got to lose that one. And Zenny and back at home. Babe, oh yeah, okay. no, you do it. You do it. This is a great and sad, like devastating moment. <laughs> oh no, you go ahead. Oh, so at the end, you at home base, you get a shot of Oscar trying to explain, and Zenny got a slamming the door in his face. Yeah. Utterly closing <laughs> off victory, uh, defeat, snatched from the jaws of victory for Oscar. Just a an utter an utter destruction. Literally, literally making uh, the divide between them uh, stronger than ever by shutting the door in his face. So, <laughs> Poetic, almost. So brutal, yeah. Just 
That that avenue's cut off, Oscar. <laughs> You're not going to be getting any more special chances like this one, buddy. Oh. And then at Fujiko and Lupin's home base, uh, they uh, they they start talking, and Fujiko admits she really couldn't have done this one without Lupin, and promises that he'll get his share on this. And uh, Lupin, pretty impressed that Fujiko went as far as to record the uh, the forbidden nookie sec- section <laughs> with uh, with the uh, with the inspector. Oscar then swears absolute revenge on Fujiko, and we get hit with the to be continued. Ah, but you didn't mention the, the the code. What's the code on the locket? Ah, Zenigata. Yeah, <laughs> which I feel like she could have guessed, but <laughs> if you had to guess one thing, it's like it's like what they always say, like password uh, protection stuff is like, don't say the name of your wife. Like, don't, don't like, don't put your spouse's <laughs> name. Don't like, don't put your address. Like, don't put, don't put your forbidden lover who everyone kind of knows about. Like that's, people are going to guess. One, two, three, four. What kind of idiot would use a password <laughs> like that? That's what I have on my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, the Venn diagram of Fujiko Mine fans and Spaceballs fans. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just was it's just a circle, right? Like, I, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I actually, I thinking about Spaceballs makes me like I, I keep remembering that I have to watch it again because uh, my father is a big uh, Mel Brooks fan, and we uh, we went around Father's Day to go see it in. Um, no, it wasn't around Father's Day. It was on his birthday to go see it in the theater because it was it was close by at a local like indie oh, nice. theater, and the, the cut like broke two-thirds of the way through oh no yeah so we didn't finish it but i mean we'd all seen it a million times but still it holds up it's it's really it good up. i was worried it wouldn't and i was like nope nope this is this is classic mel brooks i love it so much yeah i, I rewatched it for the first time uh, in a long time like maybe three months ago or something and i was really impressed that it was still as funny as i remember. yeah i honestly like i got more jokes that i could like i must have lashed it last when i was like 16 or something because i watched it and i got yeah, all the same. joe rivers jokes and stuff and i was like oh yeah. okay this is pretty tight like <laughs> this is very good oh dot matrix <laughs> like the printer <laughs> oh okay <laughs> oh so everyone knows this is joe the joan rivers robot it's not oh i didn't know who that was that's oh okay got it all right <laughs> oh well i can't wait for the next three this is a what a what a rich show yeah, we're we're gonna be going off the deep end after this, oh, and yes. uh, just just to uh, just to get you a little excited, uh, the next one features uh, everyone's favorite samurai. <gasps> uh, I can't think of another samurai. Uh, Lu Bu? I I don't know if Lu Bu was a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> so look, the only thing you need to know about Lu Bu is that you are not advised to pursue him. Yeah, don't don't make any agreements with him. God, <laughs> I saw someone saying that cow cow should get all the all the props lubu gets and it, it made me sad because i can't like i can't not think that lubu is just a, a star um but goemon's <laughs> our favorite can't wait it it's a good session maybe not as as <clears throat> constant bangers as this one but it's a good i mean one. this this one was was really kind of unbelievable that that last episode just blew my mind <laughs> That was I. That was the one I was looking forward to the most when when we started doing. What this. an unbelievable episode! Just like from top to bottom, the twist, everything, just so good. And Such a perfect mic drop of a moment. It really is. Like it's just like, oh, you thought you saw where this was going, huh? Like, no, you were wrong. 
so good. Fujiko Mine has has many tricks up its sleeve. Yeah, just like just like its uh, titular heroine. <clears throat> well, I think she has many tricks hidden in in her boob pocket. Well, there, I did. W- women don't get uh, don't get real pockets, so they have to make. That's what I hear. Um, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I, you know what? Uh, as an ally, I'm sorry to hear. That. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you're you welcome. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Emily, uh, where can people find your stuff? Uh, I am at Space Queen Emily on Twitter. Uh, you can you can look at me uh, tweeting uh, very thoroughly every episode of Super Dimension Fortress Macross right now. Oh yeah, I hear that. Uh, what I what I have heard is that you just watched uh, Andrew's favorite recently. Ah yes, Macross Frontier. I got to experience that one and uh, <laughs> briefly. Uh, base my life around it for two weeks i mean listen that's th- there are worse things to base your life around it it was exceedingly good <laughs> um one day one day i'll I'll get to a thread on that one i can't wait to actually finally watch macross someday oh you so sure. i know i know well it's on the list uh all right well uh yeah go follow emily and uh we will see you again very soon bye bye Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to. 